This is Free Talk Live. It's the Thursday edition. We're kicking off Hour 1. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, and you can take control. Bring up whatever's on your mind. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That number again, 1-800-259-9231. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features you're going to find there are totally free. Let's go to the phones, to the fun, start things out, because it is the show about your calls to David in North Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, David. What's up, guys? Hey. hey. What's on your mind? Well, I'm just a sick, disgusted American today. Why is, why is that, sir? Well, you know, I usually don't advocate people to go over to the Alex Jones websites. You know, I mean, I don't, other than myself, I like to go there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't believe everything he says, but I go there just for a little bit tidbits about the Patriot stuff. I think it's a great website. He does a good job on uh, police state coverage, absolutely. Exactly. That's why I go. And, 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 and bringing the subject up, I get up this morning, or this morning for me would be about 6 o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> and uh, I get up, and my homepage is prisonplanet.com, and I am a member. And I look up, and all of a sudden there's a little post-it box up there, 22-year-old East... Uh, Tasered by ACLU police. No, 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 not the AC. I don't think there are any ACLU police. I'm not sitting in front of the computer right now. It's UCLA. 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 I think it's a lot of the same letters, though. (laughs) I got not right order. I can't spell either. (laughs) It'd be great if the uh, ACLU was going around tasering people, though. Yeah, I saw this uh, this video you're talking about. Uh, It's pretty. It's a bad video as far as its quality is really miserable. The camera. Uh, it was a video phone, I guess. Somebody recorded this on it. It, yep. it happened, I guess, in the hallways of the University of of uh, Los Angeles. And, um, yeah, they tasered this kid uh, for apparently not showing identification. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Bad video or not, it was supposed to be, I think, a try. Uh, you know, I mean, um, what, what do they call it? A mock-up. They're running around. And they're just it's, it's just a random deal that they're doing. Yeah, the uh, the actual identification checks were random checks. They just happened to come into. I guess it was the police that were on the campus. They had they just happened to decide to ask people for their identification, and this right. gentleman refused to hand it over, and I guess was subsequently tasered. All right, where did his Fourth Amendment rights come in? What uh, was the gone. probable cause in that situation? I mean, randomly asking somebody to produce ID. Well, Are you we could in make, Russia? You, well, you I can make I can make the argument, and I'll take the other side in this one. I'm, you know, he is a UCLA student. Um, he has uh, agreed to abide by the rules of the UCLA regents that run that school, and the regents have decided that they want the, um, you know, the the SWAT team to come in and ask for uh, identification of every person in a thumbprint and a retina scan or whatever it is that these people are doing. Yeah. I, you know, they don't make it right. It, I, I'm not saying it's right, but if you and went, it's got if, if your boss decided to do that to you at work, you could quit. Well, right. Yeah, now, if now if I my see boss where, decided to do that to me at work, I would quit. I that, see where you're it, coming. I, I think from. you should, <laughs> Mark. I see where you're coming from, and that's the tack I would have taken. But there's of course a hole in that, and that is that the U- UCLA is not a private college. It's a state-run college. It's a state-run college, and that is more um, to the point. Do you understand? That's more to the point that we should make the college. Private, absolutely not. Um, you know, not in take because um, not take away schools' abilities to uh, you know run themselves. It's very unlikely that if the college was run on a private basis, that they would be harassing their students in this way. 
I would I I don't know what they would be doing. The video though isn't really worth watching. Um, I wouldn't bother even pointing anyone towards it. It's really just a lot of loud screaming and yelling, and, and it's in a, It's sort of in this echoey hallway, right. so you can't even make out a word that anybody is saying. I feel what it speaks to the most. Um, you know, I. The rest of it I don't have as, as much of a problem with, but what I, what I think it speaks to the most is cops don't use tasers to subdue people. Cops use tasers to punish Punishment. people. Absolutely. And that's what yeah, happened. Could... They had this guy, um, they had him uh, cuffed. He was as ba- he, there was nothing he could do. He might make some noise. Mm-hmm. He might spit at somebody, but he's subdued. Yep. And they tasered him again. And, and they're using these things as punishment, and cops aren't there for punishment. That's why we have prisons. Right. Well, I mean, it's easier to taser somebody than it is to, say, take a club to someone's head. It's not going to leave as much of, uh, you know, as much damage, permanent damage, although in some cases people have died as a result sure. of uh, tasering by the police. And I agree with you, Mark. It absolutely is punishment, and it's just one more tool in their arsenal that they can use against us without having any sort of punishment uh, enacted on them. It doesn't matter if they've killed kids or harmed people as they've been tasering people. They they never get punished. They just get a slap on the hand and maybe a transfer to a desk job for a few weeks. I yeah. mean, isn't this? I mean, what what can we do about this, David? Oh well, um, I think that you should probably, if you're not already a member of the Free State Project, <laughs> you should probably get off your butts and get up there to New Hampshire. You know, I live in North Carolina at this moment, mm-hmm. and I do have two kids, and I can't spell, so it doesn't matter on that part anyway. But I tell you, I I've paid in my dues to the United States government. I have my fees, my fines, my probation fees, my rehabs, uh, a bunch of consensual crimes. I've paid a tune of about $250,000. Yikes. So I could care less what anybody thinks about me personally, and I could care less what this government thinks about me personally. And if they want to put me in jail, hey, I've done paid in. I'm not costing the taxpayers any money. Come get me, baby. So are you going to just... That's my, my thought on it. Are you staying in North Carolina, or are you planning on... Uh, moving I am planning on selling everything I have and coming to New Hampshire just as soon as my grandparents pass away. Mm. So just ha- as soon as they're gone, and I don't have to worry about taking care of them anymore, I I'm see. up there, baby. And when you need somebody for your Confederate Army for succession, I'll be there. So, David, have you, si- have you signed the first 1,000 pledge? I'm going to tonight. That's I'm sweet. planning on doing that as soon as I get off the phone awesome. right here. David, thank you for the call, man. We really appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. That is the toll-free, the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You know, it's great that David awesome. is signing First 1000 because we need as many people as possible to sign that First 1000 pledge within the next six weeks. Here. Yeah. If people are, um, if, if you've been holding back... it. First 1,000 is at about, is it 550 it's, signatures? It's around 550, yeah. Yeah, 550 it's signatures. Not, uh, if it's it not as it If it be. doesn't make 1,000 by December 31st, it's null and void. So, Well, I mean, it's null and void, but I'm I'm hoping that most of the first 1,000 people will go ahead and move anyway. I think a, a bunch of them have. I think a lot of them already have. Yes, that's true. We certainly have. I know there's a number of others who have, but nonetheless... It's it's uh, it's going to mean a lot if it's successful, and it's going to be really sad if it's not. I mean, yeah, it'll be good if you know 500 or 600 people move who weren't planning on moving as soon in the past. That's good news. But the fact that we couldn't find in a year's time – I mean, I'm just talking into the future here. Mm-hmm. Presuming the first 1,000 pledge doesn't actually succeed, doesn't actually get 1,000 signatures – the idea that we couldn't find a thousand people willing to put their names on the line for on a line for liberty in a year's time yeah. 
is just a sad, sad uh, story about how pa- uh, how bad things have gotten here in this country and how scared people are. Yeah. So there you go. Freestateproject.org. It is, by the way, uh, they're the sponsor of the show, one of the sponsors. And you can learn more about the First 1000 Pledge at their website, freestateproject.org. That, again, is freestateproject.org. And here's yet another reason to consider signing. It, for instance, maybe you live over in Belmont, California, where they're set to make history by becoming the first city in the nation to, yeah, completely ban smoking on its streets and almost everywhere else. Well, now, where? <laughs> I mean, if you can't smoke on the street, where, where the heck can you smoke? You I don't know how smoke. you would smoke on a street, by the way. Uh, I believe the details are in here, but as I understand it, you may smoke if you live in a house that is not connected to other houses. Oh, my God. So, you, so if you live in an apartment, you can't smoke? Uh, I, I will get you the details on this here in a moment. But uh, oh. they are, this is going to be the most strict smoking ban in, an, in existence in America. And wait till you hear what the city council members have to say for themselves about this. They are gushing with pride. I'll bet they are. They are excited. Well, what else would they be? We, we have been following these... There's people to find now. We've been following these smoking bans since day number one on Free Talk Live. Really, it was the, one of the first topics we ever covered was the Florida smoking ban, mm-hmm. which was a smoking ban that affects all businesses. So there have been a variety of different smoking bans uh, passed here and there throughout the country. There's the ones that say you can't smoke in restaurants or bars. There are some exceptions sometimes to these rules, like if your bar sells a certain percentage of food, then you can allow smoking or you whatever. Right. There's different uh, ways these are configured. If, if your bar doesn't sell food, usually is how it goes. Right. And this one in Belmont is going to be the most oppressive of all time. And, of course... As you might imagine, there are a number of other cities that are watching very carefully to see what sort of court challenges come out of this, sure. if any. And, of course, if not, you can expect this will spread. We'll give you the details coming up. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want, toll free, 800-259-9231. That is 1-800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got archives and entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience, freetalklive.com. Hey, have you listened to Common Sense with Dan Carlin yet? Dan advertises on Free Talk Live because he realizes we've got an audience composed of people that aren't too happy with the big two parties, and he's not either. And he sounds pretty mad about it sometimes. It's loud, fast, and smart. See what you think. Get the podcast from iTunes or go to dancarlin.com. That's dancarlin.com as we return to Belmont, California, where the Belmont City Council, according to the San Mateo Daily Journal, has voted unanimously last night to pursue a strict law that will prohibit smoking anywhere in the city except for single-family detached residences. Smoking on the street, in a park, and even in one's car will become illegal, and police would have the option of handing out tickets if they catch somebody. You know, um, it's it's funny. What if I own a business? I mean, uh-huh. and what I want to smoke if, in my own business. No, no. Nope. Sorry, can't do that. But Now, we've been through this before, Mark. There have been smoking bans all across the country, and it's clear that, that your, your owning a business doesn't matter anymore. Once you invite people into your business, then it's, no, no. it belongs to the public. No, if, if you just have a business and it's just you in there all by yourself... And you're because you're it's being the law, isn't right, it? Unless your business is in a single family detached residence, 
you are breaking the law. And provided somebody finds out, maybe they peer through the window and see you smoking, you can get in trouble. Hmm. This is amazing, but it's for real. What if I own an apartment complex? Uh, nope. Nope. I That's can't not smoke a my... single family. Because my error might go into somebody else's Correct. unit. The actual language of the law still needs to be drafted and will likely come back to the council in early December or perhaps next year. Quote, wait, this is the bureaucrats speaking here, the elected bureaucrats. We have a tremendous opportunity here. We need to pass as stringent a law as we can. I would like to make it illegal, said Councilman Dave Warden. Quote, what if every city did this? Imagine how many lives would be saved <laughs> if we can do one little thing here this, at this level. This jackball really believes that he's going to stop smoking. Like he thinks that laws are going to stop people from smoking cigarettes. He's, he's As though save laws lives. have stopped people from smoking marijuana. As though laws have stopped people from snorting cocaine or smoking cocaine. Mm. As though those laws have actually saved lives. Are you telling me that more people would have died from overdoses on controlled and regulated cocaine than have died in the freaking drug war? No. You god you thirst bloodthirsty bastard. But he's not bloodthirsty. He's going to save lives, Mark. He's not saving lives. He's he an idiot a, then. He has a vision. He wants every city in America to do this. So he I'd is like going to, to envision set, kicking him right in his crotch. He is going to set an example for the rest of America by passing the most stringent law as he possibly can and then sitting back well, and let's uh, behead, crossing his fingers. Let's, let's behead the smokers on the town square because that'll work. You know what? That might be the next step here. Uh, if we can do one little thing here at this level, it will matter, says Mr. Warden, armed with growing evidence that secondhand smoke causes negative health effects. Oh, there's, there's growing evidence about this? That's funny, because we've heard that all the evidence that uh, everybody's been citing for years was pretty much fabricated by the EPA back in the 1980s. Right. It's all, it all goes back to one study, and that one study is fabricated to some... And, but, but besides that, even if secondhand smoke is really, really dangerous, it shouldn't override your ability to control your property. In that, if I want to have a bar or have a business where people can come in and I allow them to smoke, I'm making the choice to allow them to smoke in my bar. They are making the choice to come in and smoke in my bar. Mm -hmm. if, if what we're doing is, is harming our health, then that's a side issue from property rights. Because there's plenty of things you can do that can harm your health that aren't illegal. I mean, it's not illegal for me to get out a, a you know a switchblade and start cutting my arms. I'm not that kind of person, but I'm pretty sure that's not? not illegal. Okay. Okay. Now, suicide and a suicide attempt is usually illegal, but just you know putting a few slice marks in my yeah, arm. Yeah, like somebody would have to accuse you of suicide if right. you were doing that. Yeah, right. Now, th that's not illegal, but that's a absolutely a damaging thing. Uh, I saw an article about uh, the girls that are anorexics. They don't like to eat very much. That's not illegal, but there's no doubt that that's damaging. Are we going to stop girls from being anorexic by passing laws against anorexia? I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so either. But uh, anyway, the council chose to pursue the strictest law possible and deal with any legal challenges later. This is how government operates, as we've made clear. Yeah, they do whatever they want, it doesn't regardless matter. of the Constitution. It doesn't matter how much they go and mess with your private property and your life. They're not in any way held responsible for No consequences. For it. Sovereign I mean, immunity. You know, whatever amount of money you spent on lawyers to defend yourself against oh, yeah. this giant government operation that they put in place, they don't have to... Well, not one penny. Not one penny goes in the offering They plate. think it's funny. They, yeah. They're amused by the fact that you have to spend all this money to keep your livelihood the way it was, uh, which, of course, it will never be, especially if you don't have a lot of money. They're amused by the fact that you just have to keep jumping through all of the hoops that they put up in front of you. And they... 
can keep paying for as many hoops as they want to put up because well they're not paying for it at all. Right. They, they can they make us money. pay for it. Right. They take money from people, and if you don't want to pay them, then they're going to throw you in jail, and they'll laugh at you uh, for that too. These people are sick, twisted, uh, power mongering freaks. Yeah. And they need. And to people be don't even realize it. People no. don't even look at it that way. Well, no. There's people that are going to cheer them on here in a moment. You'll love that. Oh, I'm sure. It took up the cause after a citizen at a senior living facility requested smoke to be declared a public nuisance, allowing him to sue neighbor, uh, neighbors who smoke. The council said it wanted to pursue a law similar to ones passed in Dublin and the Southern California city of Calabasas. The council was concerned about people smoking in multi-unit residences. Quote. I would just like to say no smoking and and see what happens. And if they do smoke, then someone has the right to have the police come and give them a ticket. Wow. Councilwoman Corral and Fearbach. Well, thank you for that. Now, thank what you. happens when the cop, gives, that me right. t- g- g- cop give, gives me a ticket and I say, you know, I'm not paying this ticket because I don't feel that it's well, right. they're going to cl- slap the cuffs on you, my friend, and take yeah. you down to the pokey. At some point or another, they're going to have to put me in jail, aren't they? The council's decision garnered a plus. And wouldn't what this if, be nice? A what happens if they give smokers? me a ticket? I, I dispute the ticket. I take it to court. The judge asks me, were you smoking? I say yes. They enter me as um, a guilty plea, mm-hmm. and uh, they tell me to pay such and such fine. I say, I'm not paying any fines. Well, the only other choice is well, you've got 10, 30 days days. In ju- 10 days in jail. Yeah. That's it. It's either pay this fine or 10 days in jail. We're going to have to start building new jails. I mean, if a bunch of smokers decide to not pay the fines, which, of course, they won't do. Everybody pleads out and just accepts their sentence, mm-hmm. just like good little citizens, which, of course, just empowers these people. It just enables them to create more laws to control you because they know you're just going to roll over and do whatever it is they tell you to. Yep. But what if? What if 10% of the people that were caught for smoking would go ahead and say, meh. Forget your fine. You can go ahead and throw me in jail. We're going to have to build a new jail for uh, for smokers, for all the smokers. Since we're building new jails, since we're filling them with pot smokers and, and uh, cocaine addicts, then, you know, let's add cigarette smokers in there, too. In fact, we're go- you've got something about, uh, I guess, detention camps for immigrants. We're going to get to that here in a little while, but let's continue here, because there's more uh, choice quotes from these uh, these council people who I don't really think qualifies people. The council's decision garnered applause from about 15 people who showed up in support of the ordinance. One woman stood up and blew kisses to the council. Another pumped his fist with satisfaction. Ah! You go, city council. Keep us safe. Just likes the idea of taking away people's rights. I'm astounded. I admire their courage and unanimous support, said Serena Chen, policy director of the American Lung Association of California. We will continue with the, uh, some more details on what's going on in Belmont, California. They're ripping away your freedoms from you. And what are you going to do about it? You're just going to sit back and watch it happen? Hmm. 800-259-9231, because this is going to spread. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp. FreeTalkLive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The packet eight toll-free lines. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at FreeTalkLive.com. The Shrine of Female listeners await you. Dozens and dozens of ladies from around the world have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. And you can see what I mean by going to Shrine.FreeTalkLive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com as we continue to discuss what is going to possibly be the most restrictive, the most uh, draconian, 
Invasive? Invasive, outrageous of all smoking bans. I mean, they're all outrageous. It's all an an affront to freedom and an insult to property rights. Right. You know, it basically says you can't take care of yourself. Businesses can't take care of themselves. That's right. They just can't do it. Sorry. But now it's more than just businesses. Now in the city of Belmont, California, if this is, uh, they voted this in unanimously to pursue a strict law. So they voted that they want to write this law, but they haven't actually written the law yet. So the actual law itself is yet to come. That's on the way here within the next couple months. But essentially, it's going to restrict people from smoking anywhere except for single-family detached residences. That's it. Yeah. If you're out on the street smoking, you're violating the law. If you're in a bar, in any private business, if you're in an apartment building, if you're in a duplex, <laughs> violating the law. Even if you own the duplex. So the decision puts uh, Belmont on the forefront of smoking policy and is already attracting attention from other states. Hmm. As expected. See, oh, sure. They sit back and they watch. Now, this the uh, as we've uh, we've read some of the quotes from the city council in this case, and they're pretty much just coming out and saying what happens with government everywhere. They're just outlining it for you. They're saying yeah. we're this going to the secret, folks. Right. Here's how it works. We pass the most strict, outrageous law we can possibly think up, and then sit back, cross our fingers, and hope nobody sues us for it. And, and if they, if do, they do, sue, so what? Right, and if they do sue, we'll fight it to the bitter, bitter end, and we'll probably win, because we have more money than they do. And so all of the other states are sitting back just watching this to see what happens, and if nothing happens, then you can better believe that other states and localities will also ratchet up their smoking bans as well. Now, the uh, Serena Chen, the policy director of the American Lung Association, says she's worked in the area since 1991 and has helped many city, cities and counties pass no-smoking policies, but no one has been willing to draft a complete ban. Quote, I feel like the revolution is taking place, and I'm trying to catch up, says Chen. Can you just hear the gushing in her voice? She's so happy about it. So happy that the revolution is a communist one, a socialist one, taking away the property rights, her property rights. Oh, I don't know if it's any more communist, socialist than it is fascist. It's just government control. Whatever. It's taking away her property rights. She doesn't realize it. She wants them taken away. Quote from Philip Henry Jaros of the Condominium Council of Maui. Remember, people all around the uh, country are looking at this. Quote, you have the ability to do something a little more extraordinary than Dublin or Calabasas. I see what they've done is five or six on the Richter scale. What the citizens of Belmont and of America need is five brave people to do something that's seven or eight on the Richter scale. The whole state of Hawaii is watching. He said. Wow. Council- he wants the whole state of Hawaii not smoking. Yes, he does. God. Councilman Warren Lieberman said he was concerned the city will pass a law it can't enforce because residents will still smoke unless police are specifically called to a situation. Police cannot go out and enforce smoking rules, he said. Wait a minute. Mr. Lieberman, haven't you been paying attention to this whole smoking ban uh, fiasco around the country? Wasn't it Toledo? Wasn't it Toledo where there was a a story about how uh, essentially if someone spotted another person smoking in violation of the city's smoking rules, which mean, I think there are smoking rules that you can't smoke uh, in sidewalks or on sidewalks, mm-hmm. you were supposed to call the police. They actually suggested that you call. Is that the nine one one story that we were talking about? Yeah, people are supposed to was, call nine one one. I thought that was St. Louis. 
Who knows? Whatever. It's out there. It, yeah. It's for real. There is a city in America where people, the citizens, are encouraged. How else do you get a hold of the cops? They're encouraged to dial 911 if they catch somebody smoking. So I think that the council members should do a little more research here because they might accidentally write this law to where the police can't enforce it. And we wouldn't want that now, would we? Right. Quote, it makes us hypocrites by saying, you know, uh, saying, you know, you can break the law if no one is watching. However, both Firebach and Warden argue it's the same as jaywalking, having a barking dog or going 10 miles over the speed limit. All are illegal, but seldom enforced. Quote, you can't walk down the street with a beer, but you can have a cigarette. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. I just think it shouldn't be allowed anywhere except in someone's house. If you want to do that, that's fine. Really? Why is why is it fine if it's in your house? I mean, there's kids there. That's the next step, Mark. If they're actually successful with this, and I predict they will be, because remember, this is California. California is sort of the you know the the leader, uh, the bellwether, if you will, of uh, what's to come next for the rest of America. In in, in some cases, there's certainly other states that uh, can claim that uh, title too. New York, New York, yeah, New York, Massachusetts, in some ways. True. Um, but you no, know. nonetheless, I mean, there are there are some things that have certainly spread from California in the past. And in this case, if they're successful, or rather when they're successful with this, and it has been maybe in effect for a year or so, that way there's a, a good year where it has withstood whatever challenges come up, if any, because the smokers don't really seem to be uh, Johnny on the spot with challenging these things. The New Hampshire smoking ban was defeated by a bunch of non-smokers. By non-smoking, liberty-oriented people, Free State Project members that stood up and, and fought against it. So the smokers were virtually nowhere to be found on that issue. They, they just sort of go in, into yeah. hiding, apparently. Just, the, you know, this is, this is how it happens. This is, this is what goes on. People, this is how people's freedoms disappear. So after a year of uh, this particular city, Belmont, California, banning smoking everywhere except in single-family residences, detached single-family residences, you will see them come back. And say, you know, this smoking ban has been a great success. The city has generated hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines from violators. Because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, they're going to make some money off sure. of this. We're rich. Hey, right. everybody, we're rich. We, All of us together, yes. we're rich. So the city has made so much money off of this. has been so successful. People have stopped smoking as much in, uh, in the city of, of uh, Belmont. And now we have to protect the children. Because the law, as good as it was, just didn't go far enough, Mark. Now we need a new law, we need a new regulation that's going to ban smoking from all households except for single, fa- um, except for households with two adults or less uh, who live in them. Yeah. Because if there is a child under the age of 18, we, as the city of Belmont, must protect those children from their parents who are putting them in danger. Danger! Grave danger of inhaling cigarette smoke. And then, of course, there would be 15 more people in the city council cheering this on. Because that's all it takes. It's just a few busybody activists to, you know, uh, make these city council members think that somebody is actually, you know, some significantly large group is behind them on this. Sure. And they'll cheer it, cheer it on. Didn't, and didn't uh, one of them, uh, city council in Ohio or something like that, do it on the basis of 100 emails or something? Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> it's yep. just nuts. So that's where it's going next. They'll ban smoking for everybody except a single adult or a pair of adults living in the same house together. And how they're going to move it from there, I don't know. But maybe we'll get to speculate on that someday, mm. too. 800-259-9231, your thoughts about whatever's on your mind. To the phones we go. Let's talk to Zach in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi. Well, um, 
since you're talking about smoking bans, I got a little bit of good news. I guess last week, um, you know, I called a couple weeks ago in Columbia. They had passed a smoking ban, but last week the city council actually had another vote, mm-hmm. and they exempted bars. And so not a total one, but it's, you know, still not that yeah, good. It's, it's yeah, it's hard to call this good news. It's just a modification of bad news. I mean, really. I mean, the idea that we that libertarians are getting on the air and cheering on um, things like this is really sad. Yeah, but um, the good news I have, though, I called last week and mentioned that um, our governor had got reelected despite the Republicans leaving his constituency and attacking him, calling him a libertarian. Mm -hmm. And later in the week, I found out um, something that Marco liked. He was actually endorsed by the Republican Liberty Caucus. Hmm. Excellent. So that's good news. That might be, that might mean he'll veto a few laws there in uh, South Carolina. At least seventy-five yeah, percent of them. Good luck. Uh, good luck with out. that, Zach. We appreciate the call. Thank you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Uh, looks like a prominent libertarian has passed away today. We'll get to that coming up in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want, so free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can, of course, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free, and that does include uh, the bulletin board system. Over 140,000 posts await you there. It's all on the house, freetalklive.com. And by the way, you can uh, help support the show by voting for us. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. We need your vote right now because those of you who have voted have helped keep us in the top ten podcasts of the world at podcastalley.com. Because if you go to vote.freetalklive.com, it takes you less than a minute's time, and it makes a big difference. Because us being number two, which is where we're at right now, is good, but being number one would obviously be preferable. So head over to vote.freetalklive.com. We would much appreciate it. As we go to the phones, to Josh in Kentucky, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, Hey, Josh. Uh, Me and my friend were on my porch earlier smoking a Swisher. Do you think those people would want us arrested? Hmm. I I would think that, um, yeah, if you're on the porch, you're not inside. Yeah, they were talking about cigarettes, but I'm betting they're going to ban smoking. I mean, just smoking of anything. Yeah. Well, they shouldn't tell me how to run my life. Well, they will. And uh, and what are you going to do about it, you know? Ha, 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 they've got guns, and they've got armed thugs who will su- support whatever laws. These these cops will just enforce anything. They don't care about freedom. The cops could care less about what freedom's all about. The cops just, uh, well, okay, new law. We are automatons. We will enforce. They will yeah, do whatever they're ordered to. Any other thoughts, Josh? Uh, yeah, I wanted to say rest in peace to Milton Friedman. Hmm. Now, who was Milton Friedman? Uh... I don't know a lot about him, but I know he was a modern-day libertarian thinker. He wrote a lot of books on laissez-faire capitalism, and he was an advocate of the free market. I believe he actually won a Nobel Peace Prize. I'm not sure uh, quite for what it was uh, that he yeah, won that for. I think, but... I think it was in nine, uh, 76. Yeah, he's a, he's a well-known sort of – or was a well-known uh, economist, a sort of free market style economist, and uh, uh, wrote a lot of influential books. More of sort of an academic style, I guess. I, I don't really know. I've never read any any of his stuff. I'm more of a Harry Brown style libertarian myself. But there's certainly a lot of people in our audience that that were influenced by Milton Friedman, and I'm sure they're they're feeling quite a loss today. Thank you, Josh. We appreciate the call. 
800-259-9231. So there you go. Rest in peace. I've got a little information here about Milton Friedman if uh, from down okay. D.C. if you're interested. Uh, Mr. Friedman advocated legalizing drugs and generally opposed public education, the state's power to license doctors, automobile drivers, and others. He was criticized for those views, but he stood by them, arguing that prohibiting... Excuse me. I uh, think messed up there. Um, arguing that prohibiting, regulating, or licensing human behavior, behavior either does not work or creates inefficient bureaucracies. Yeah, he's he right. even had the tremendous influence on the Republican Party, at least for a spell. <laughs> yeah. He has played a leading role in eliminating the draft, discrediting wage and price controls, and popularizing reforms such as private retirement accounts that shrink the realm of politics and broaden the domain of uh, individual choice. Apparently, um, you know, also he had a, uh, you know, it just goes on to talk about some of the great things he did. He also, um, he wasn't perfect. He disrespected gold as a storehouse of value and endorsed the use of a central bank mm. issuing uh, paper money. He clung to the modern notion that a government can manage money properly. His theories had great influence Yikes. over the Federal Reserve Chairman Alan Greenspan and current Fed Chair um, Bernanke. The cycle of boom and bust continues. The dollar is a shadow of its former self. Friedman is also responsible for one of the worst big government innovations of the 20th century. Oh, no. Income tax withholding. Friedman what? worked for the Treasury Department during World War II. He defended withholding as a short-term tool to help the government build the credit it needed to fight. Ew. Uh, excuse me. The, my computer's really messing up here. Boy, I didn't know that much about him. And uh, now that I know that much, uh, I'm a little disappointed. Well, you know, nobody's perfect. And it, couldn't you imagine that, especially know. in your youth, I mean, he's 94, right? Yeah. He died in 2006. So this was, you know, he was pretty young at this time, that you might think that, in fact, um, Something would work for a short period of time. Mm. The government might just institute a program for while it needed it, and then we'll go back to the way things were. Yeah, I wonder if he rescinded that. I mean, after time, you would think because as he got, um, it seems as though he got as he got older, he got a little more uh, libertarian. He defended withholdings. um, Previously, only the well-off paid the tax with a check written every March the fifteenth. This was, you know, that was uh, before people paid taxes, and then after, you know, withholding came in during World War II. So. There you go. Let's go to the phones. Mark in Nevada. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Mark, uh, hello. Hey, hey, gentlemen. Yeah, Murray Rothbard has written a lot. Uh, you know, he worked uh, hard to expose uh, Milton Friedman in the past. Uh, I'm definitely a, a Rothbardian, not a uh, Friedmanite Chicago school monetarist. I'm an Austrian schooler. But, uh, okay. yeah, you know, Whatever that you means. were talking about how these cops will – yeah, they'll, they'll enforce uh, whatever uh, – and, uh, you know, this is exactly what I wanted to call in about, too. You are so correct. Uh, in fact, I can't remember the exact verse, and, and I know you guys aren't all that, don't get all that into the Bible, but there is this one verse that says something in the fact that, you know, they will persecute the righteous and those who follow God and the erroneous belief uh, that they're the ones serving God when they're not. And that's so true. You look at a lot of these people who take part in enforcing the police state, whether it's uh, in hospitals, nurses forcing psych drugs on people, it's all in the belief that they're helping society, that they're just bringing order. And uh, this is what I wanted to call in about. Uh, this well, wait, now, hold on. Know. Now, even if they know that they're hurting somebody personally, they don't feel responsible for it because it's no, a law no, and it, they're just enforcing the, the law. Yeah, this is their job. And, of course, yeah, these people, they'll do anything to keep getting their, 
their their paycheck and their benefits. Sure, they may be a loving state. husband. They may be a loving father. They may be a great friend when they're outside of work. But once they put that uniform on, once they start following orders, then all of a sudden they turn into a monster. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know, I tell you, when I look at this, it's no surprise to me how they were able to fill up those concentration camps with victims. Yeah, It'd be so easy to find people to go along with. I know you look at uh, the prison population we have here, but yeah, what I wanted to call in about this case, this is an excellent example here. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to see this, but if you go to YouTube and type in UCLA... Yeah, we talked about uh, it right at the top of the show. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's, an, it's a bad video, but it's an atrocious uh, situation. Yeah, yeah, six, they tasered a kid for not showing like ID. Six times for not showing his ID. I know, it's just incredible. You know, I, I got to thinking a few years ago, there was this case in Texas, a police officer by the name of Kent McGowan. What he did is, is he got a warrant issued uh, so to give him the license to... Uh, you know, invade the home of a lady he had been stalking, mm-hmm. right? And he breaks in her house and shoots her in cold blood because he wanted to get rid of her because she, well, I guess, was getting ready to, to file a complaint about him for mm-hmm. stalking her. And so he went and, uh, you know, premeditated murder. And it wasn't until after the fact an investigation was done and they figured out, yeah, this police officer murdered this lady and, you know, rightfully put this police officer behind bars and he'll be spending the rest of his days. This is a city in Texas. I can't remember the exact city, but his name Mm -hmm. is Kent McGowan. And after that, I really got to thinking about the true meaning of equal protection under the law and uh, the Fourth Amendment. Because I was thinking, suppose this lady was aware of what was going to happen and she managed to escape. Or suppose she managed to get a gun herself and defend herself and shoot this cop oh my gosh. before he killed her. Then she cop killer. Would, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or if she had just managed to escape uh, for her life. She would be crucified been, if she killed yeah, that, that cop. That, yeah, that would have been fleeing a police officer. And so it, you don't have the basic right to self-defense against government thugs and government agents anymore. Yeah, it's true. And this is a, you know, I tell you, I, what those cops, those UC, UCLA cops, there's somebody going up to them and tasering them about six, seven times. I totally course, agree. That would have been a felony. Yes, it would. And then yeah, the cops what, would be all it? over you. If you would, if you were in that girl's situation, if that girl had killed that police officer who was trying to kill her, she might as well just be a fugitive from the law at that point. She might as well just run because the cops, uh, they just they hate cop killers and they there's no yeah, sort of even though it's self defense, even though it's right. self defense, and there wouldn't and be any pro- there wouldn't be any court trial for her because they do like they did with that guy in Florida this year. They'd track him down, they'd find him, and then they'd execute him with 68 bullets. <laughs> And, you know, so, so this is why I, I really came around to the position we need to get rid of the entire professional system of law enforcement. Back in the day, there was only one true legitimate so-called law enforcement officer for any given jurisdiction, and that was the elected sheriff or constable. And if there was a, a group of really bad guys he had to go after, he'd go deputize people on the spot, say, hey, go grab your gun, you, you, and you, you're coming with me. Yeah, that was but back they when they were no- peace officers. Yeah, but yeah, but but they didn't have the cover of uh, you know the state uh, apparatus to to carry out their crimes and and actions. And so and the other thing, you know, I was in the Marine Corps, and you know, a lot of guys I knew ended up going on law enforcement. I'm so glad. I, I mean, I, I couldn't live with myself. Yeah, if I so was many do. For the government, but but uh, you know, I, I'm convinced that anybody who wants to be a cop is psychologically. Un- well. There he goes. Thanks for the call. Apparently he's being silenced with law enforcement. <laughs> Psychologically <laughs> twisted. Something. Psychologically well, I'm not sure messed that, up. I, I'm not sure I entirely agree that. I think many people um, go into law enforcement because they want a relatively easy job. I think some people go in because they want to catch the bad guys. And I think some people go in because they want to be a bad guy 
and have total protection. I, I would say that there's, um, there's there's something wrong with the uh, the way law enforcement is done in this country today. And I agree that uh, getting it out of the government's hands as much as possible is, is a very good solution, in my opinion. Hour number two is on the way. PlayStation 3 Insanity spreading across the nation. We'll talk about it. The lines are forming as we speak. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. As we kick off hour number two, the Thursday edition, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. That number is 1-800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website as well. All of the features on the site are completely free. That's freetalklive.com as we go to the phones and to the fun. Joe in California, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Um, hi. hi uh, am I coming through okay? Yeah, we got you fine. What's on your mind? Um, nothing. Now, the first one was um, just uh, I listened to the show via podcast, and okay. uh, this morning I got yesterday's show via podcast, and uh, to my surprise, you guys actually read part of my blog aloud at the very beginning of the show. Indeed. Were so we you, nice to you? You. <laughs> yes, um, we were. Yes. Okay. Okay, good. This is the oh, gentleman who has decided to join the Free State Prime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was just, I guess I wanted to say thank you for that. That was actually a huge boost to my day just because of it. Well, You're famous, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing at him, Mark? That's not nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Him and the other four or five people that listen, right? Yeah. Uh, so now, um, so you've decided to join the Free State Project, and uh, I think that, that's, that you should be thanked for that instead of yes. thanking us for reading a, you know, your, your blog post. Um, yeah, actually, and I think it was an advertisement on the show that uh, made me check it out a little bit. And then when I heard all the people calling, talking about going to it, I was just like, okay, this is actually kind of a big thing. There are a lot of people in on it. Yeah, so. it's for real. It's it's the only chance. I mean, we when we say that we believe it's the only chance for liberty in our lifetimes, we're not saying yeah. that because they're a paid sponsor. We're, believe we believe me, it. I'm not sitting up in New Hampshire where it's going to snow in a couple of weeks because I don't believe that the Free State Project is the only way right. that we're going to have liberty in our lifetime. <laughs> All right. Um, the other thing I did want to say, though, this is actually uh, the other misfortune. I'm a podcast listener. So a couple mm -hmm. days ago, you guys were talking about um, whether or not standing armies were constitutional or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I did a little research, and it seems to me that um, they imp wanted to imply that it was not a good idea, and they wanted to make it difficult. Mm -hmm. But I found a quote by Alexander Hamilton explaining why they left it so that it could be legal under the Constitution. Well God, did you pick, have to pick the biggest government guy in, uh, of our founding fathers? Um, unfortunately, yeah, and it's backed up by um, records from the Federal Convention, too, unfortunately. Okay. But I found lots of people saying it was a huge argument. Um, some people were against it, but um, others were totally for it. So they put the two-year clause that the Congress could only allocate the money for two years mm -hmm. to, um, uh, to make it difficult. But um, uh, this is a slightly long quote. I'll try to do it quick. I cut it down as much as I could. Um, even the ardent love of liberty will, after a time, give way to its dictates. The violent destruction of life and property incident to war, the continual effort and alarm attended on a state of continual danger, will compel nations, the most attached to liberty, to resort uh, for repose and security to institutions which have, which have a tendency to destroy their civil and political rights. Uh, to be more safe, they, at length, will become willing to run the risk of being less free. The institutions alluded to are standing armies. Sounds and to me like he's predicting it. Is, 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 military establishments. 
Yeah, it yeah, sounds. You know, I mean, it is, we're gonna have to interrupt you there. It's just uh, too much. But um, it sounds to me like he's pretty accurately predicting what has happened uh, in the United States that people are trading their liberty for security. Yeah, he predicted it. There's only one sentence left. And okay. This is where he says that um, standing uh, armies, it is says, are not provided against in the new constitution, and it is therefore inferred that they may exist under it. Um, under the uh, under the existence, however, from the very terms of the proposition, is at most problematic and uncertain. But standing armies, it may be replied, must inevitably result from a dissolution of the Confederacy. Standing armies must result from the dissolution of the Confederacy? Yeah, when they made the Constitution to replace the Articles. I don't, know, I don't understand. Can you um, run that by me again? I think that he was uh, – okay, it may be replied uh, – this is a really horrible quote, too, in language that I'm not very No, I didn't mean actually sorry. read it again. I've, I've heard that enough. I was just trying to like see if you could sort of translate it for me. Like, what um, does that mean? Um, I think that he's trying to say that um, standing armies are going to be one consequence of moving from the Articles of Confederation to the Constitution. Hmm. I was going to post up on the web boards all of the other research I found, but that was the one that stuck out the most to kind of get to the point. I see what you mean. So basically, the, you know, they put that two-year clause in there, so I guess with the intention that... Um, if we actually had people who were elected to office who cared about keeping standing armies out of America, they could use that two-year clause to shut down any army that, that was uh, brought to, brought um, together. Um, and if you just have a bunch of legislators that aren't don't have any intention of doing that sort of thing, then they can just raise an army and keep it as long as they would like to. So really, it, um, all that matters is who we elected, and we elected a bunch of warmongers, and that's what we got. Yeah, I agree. I personally am against standing armies myself, too, so I was kind of disappointed when I came across all this stuff. But Very good, Joe. Well, we look forward to seeing you in, uh, you in New Hampshire, and thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. So there you go, Mark. Yep. Standing armies. I, you know... I know that um, you can read it into it. Uh, you know, the standing army, armies are constitutional in there. It just seems to me that... You know, they, making this two-year um, provision as they did, it's clear what their intention was. Yeah, that they but they didn't totally abolish. They didn't totally abolish the opportunity. God, what, what mistakes? There's too many compromises. Too you many know? compromises. Too many loopholes. And unfortunately, the Constitution in the United States is a failed experiment. I wish it. I wish it had uh, been successful. Because if it had been successful or more successful, I think it was pretty successful for a little while. But if it had been more successful, we'd have a lot less government. And a lot more freedom mm-hmm. and a lot more wealth. And all of that we don't have because we've got a big government that has been confiscating wealth from the productive. And that's pretty sad. Well, then, appar- apparently, speaking of wealth, a number of uh, Americans are preparing to separate themselves from uh, a, a significant amount of dollars. Now, that doesn't mean they'll become less wealthy. It just means they're going to be trading dollars for a PlayStation 3. In this case, 500 or 600 of their hard-earned dollars. If they're lucky enough to get access to one of these things, they are in short supply, as ABC News reports. A lot of people would probably say that Jacob Bylin is out of his mind. The 20-year-old college student is skipping classes at John Jay College in New York City this week to camp out in front of a Best Buy store for a shot at the much-hyped next-generation PlayStation 3 video game console. They think I'm crazy, said Bylin, referring (laughs) to his family. What can I say? But I've got two friends here with me, so we're all crazy, I guess. If Bylin is crazy, then the illness is spreading. All over the country, gamers, parents, grandparents, and at least a few opportunists have formed lines outside of various retailers with the same goal in mind. Get a PlayStation 3. 
I'm hoping to get my grandchild one of the games, says Charles Allen, as he waited outside the Best Buy in Ohio. Despite days of sleeping on sidewalks, ignoring good hygiene, and avoiding the opposite sex, these early adopters may still find themselves... With empty bags come the November 17th launch day. Can you imagine sitting out in, uh, out in front of a Best Buy or Circuit City or something like that for days only to discover they only had 20 units? Wow. And they went to the first 20 people in line, and you're just SOL. Sorry, buddy. Retailers, own, uh, such as the video game Mega Chain GameStop, which also owns EB Games, have announced they can meet only 60% of the pre-orders that they've already sold, which means that... Which means that uh, the Sony, knowing how many pre-orders it had to meet, I mean, EB, GameStop, all these companies mm-hmm. submitted their pre-orders to Sony saying, okay, well, we need X amount of units. And Sony just didn't crank them out. GameStop isn't the only one experiencing shortages that hint that Sony was perhaps less than completely honest about PlayStation 3 supply shortfalls beyond what the company has said publicly. Though Sony was expected to ship about 400,000 units in, in the first place, red flags have begun to pop up all over. Quote, we're barely going to have enough to cover pre-sales, and we will not have any, any available for walk-in customers, said Kathleen Woe, a spokesperson for Toys R Us. The entire chain does not have any for wow. sale for walk-in customers. Wow. This is a mess. Shortages of video game consoles are nothing new. Shortages usually expected when a new system is released. Just last year, when Microsoft's Xbox 360 launched, there were rampant reports of nationwide shortages, and those shortages, coupled with extremely high demand, helped make Xbox 360 the must-have gift of the season for anyone who could afford it. Quote, the console release cycle is almost... Uh, is unlike almost anything else in the consumer technology business, according to an analysis group. These products undergo a major revision once every five years or so, and the PlayStation has been the market leader for the couple uh, previous generations, so there are very high expectations about what Sony is expected to deliver. It's hard to argue that gamers aren't a hardcore bunch, but don't be fooled by the tents and sleeping bags lined up outside of your local electronics store. Not all of them are camped out for a love of gaming. Some of them are in it for the money. Buy and sell. Got to make the money to pay for some other stuff, said Greg White, one of about 25 people in line at a Best Buy in Ohio. So not only are people in line to get the game system to play, but a number of them are getting it so they can flip it over on eBay for probably 1000 to $2,000. Ah. More on the way. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll free line for you, one 800 Two five nine ninety two thirty one. Ian here with you. And Mark, join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where we've got the bulletin board system, the live streaming, the updates, and more. It's all for free, all in the house at freetalklive.com. And register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Come and hear a speech by John Stossel, entitled "Enemies of Liberty." The three-day event starting on February twenty-third. Early bird discount ends on Thanksgiving, so get registered now at freestateproject.org/libertyforum. That is freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. As we continue to discuss the PlayStation 3, it is just, at this point, just uh, four less than four hours away on uh, Eastern time, at least, from launch. Uh, 24 hours, uh, I guess, I don't know if Best Buy is doing the, the open at midnight thing, but I would guess that they probably In are. In some places, I would imagine. I know a number of Walmarts, obviously, 24 hours a day. They're getting ready to uh, to sell, sell these items here at uh, at midnight Eastern time. It's going to be interesting. People have been queuing up for days now, mm-hmm. in some cases, which uh, is, in in some cases, a little bit fanatical, and in others, 
calculating. As the article from uh, ABC News pointing out, not everybody in those lines is looking to plug in the PlayStation 3 when they get home. In fact, some of them are looking to put them on eBay and sell them off to the highest bidder because they know that there's a shortage. We read an article from the Japan release this weekend where they released it over the weekend. It was 100,000 units was all they had. Whereas when the PlayStation 2 was launched, they sold something like a half a million or, or two million or something. I mean, they sold a way more. And there was a production they, problem. I wonder why they want to get out so badly um, before Christmas. I mean, what's what's the point in it? Is it is it part of the fervor? People spend. I they understand spend. they want they spend, but they'll buy those units anyway, and they don't have enough yeah. units. If they would have bought the units anyway, they don't have enough units to make a splash. The people would have bought that, those amount of um, units anyway. They might as well. They should um, worry about customer service. Yeah, I don't understand it either. I don't understand why they didn't just hold off for another couple of weeks, churn out a few more hundred thousand units, and launch to where your clients can get the products that they're waiting for. Yeah. I mean, we've we're these, from this article here, some of these uh, game stores like GameSpot and those uh, GameStop and those places, they're only going to be able to fulfill some of their pre-orders. So the people that are walking into the to the store to try and find one of these things are going to be kind of uh, having a, t- a tough time. They're just not going to be out there. Anyway, like some of the others in line with him and countless more across the country, White isn't interested in the latest games or cutting-edge graphics. He's more excited about the thousands that he expects to get from selling the PlayStation 3 on eBay. Some aren't even trying to get a PlayStation 3, but know the value of a space in line close to the store's front doors. At a circuit <laughs> city in Schaumburg, Indiana, Eric Arana and his wife are selling their spot for $2,000. $2,000? They're number 43 in line. Now, I find this hard to believe. That doesn't make any I sense. I think they want to sell their spot for $2,000. Oh, I, I can't imagine that anybody would pay $2,000 so they can then get into a store and, and maybe not another, get it. Yeah, maybe pay, not get it. That doesn't make any sense. Quote, there's a big aftermarket for these things that has sprung up on eBay over the last few years. To get the deal you're looking for, though, you need to have the stomach for fraud potential on eBay and be willing to possibly miss a meal or two, said Ruben. For the lucky ones who've managed to snag a pre-order or managed to snag one on launch day, there's a good chance they're spending a lot more than the five and 600 that Sony is asking for the two PlayStation 3 models. Remember, one of them has a larger hard drive space. That's the only difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Many retailers have forced consumers to purchase bundles, which include games and extra controllers, but are predetermined by the store. So if you want a PlayStation 3, you may have to buy a bunch of extra crap as well. Since it's so limited, since supply is so limited and demand is so crazy, these stores can get away with uh, whatever, almost whatever they want to. I saw a story today about a Walmart where a store manager said, hey, I've only got 10 of these things. And so he put 10 chairs out in the parking lot and uh, essentially, you know, clapped his hands together or something like that and said, okay, go, and had all of the people run like musical chairs except with a lot of people running for these chairs. Somebody got injured, of course. Of course. In uh, in all of that. What else could you have expected in that particular circumstance? I was just thinking to myself, yep. what a great way for somebody to get injured. People are crazy. Uh, many retailers forcing people to buy bundles. For instance, CompUSA ran a circular advertisement offering PlayStation 3 pre-orders to customers who purchase a Sony HDTV 40 inches or larger. And its website won't allow anyone to place a uh, PlayStation 3 order outside of a bundle package. So the least expensive TV that fits that bill is about $1,800, which means tack on another $500 on top of the PlayStation 3. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that's for pre-orders, Mark. That's not even for units in store. They're they're only selling pre-orders if you buy a TV with it. I mean, this is insane demand. 
Well, I, I have to say, I, I that makes good sense to me. Um, you oh, know, sure, it does. If people want it. Then... Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And if this is going to help you sell a TV or two, hey, great, good for them. But I mean, really, it's just nuts. It's a, and it's just a variety of factors um, coming together here to to just low supply, high demand, and insane, uh, insanely uh, d- demanding market. And there's going to be some people cashing in on eBay on this. Now, speaking of cashing in, I pointed out to you a few days ago, Mark, that the way the video game industry works, when they first launch a, a console platform, they lose money. Yeah, now, that's what you said. I, I didn't. It, it, it seemed crazy to me that they would be losing money on such an expensive machine, but apparently they are. It's because they make so much more on the software. I mean, mm-hmm. the software is just a DVD, and those don't cost very much. You know, the DVD and the jewel case and the instruction book, right? Yeah. That's it. Well, now I know exactly how much they're losing, and I'm a little bit shocked. I thought maybe they would lose, you know, 50 bucks on each one of them. Something minor, something that's, you know, a a small loss leader. But in fact, according to ZDNet, uh, CNET News, the cost of manufacturing and materials for the low-end 20-gigabyte version of the console, which is $500 retail, guess what the cost is? Um, th- this is the little one, right? This is the five hundred dollar one. Okay. Um, and it's it's more than that. Uh, eight fifty. Yeah, eight hundred and five dollars and eighty five cents, according to iSupply in a report they released on Thursday. Hmm. That means for every PlayStation Three Sony sells for four hundred ninety nine dollars, it will lose three hundred and six dollars on components alone. Marketing and advertising costs would then boost the actual cost to Sony even higher. The PlayStation 3 with a 60-gigabyte hard drive comes in with a manufacturing and component bill of $840.35. Hmm. Since it sells that version at $599, that exceeds uh, they're actually they actually lose a little bit less on the $600 one. Uh, Sony representative said it wouldn't comment on the PS3's manufacturing cost, so this isn't an official number from Sony. Uh, it's by a research firm, and their final estimates are in line with others from earlier in the year. In February, a scan of analyst estimates put the manufacturing and material costs between 725 and 905. Console makers typically sell the consoles for less than the actual cost. These game companies make up for subsidized boxes by selling game software at a premium. Components also get cheaper over time, according to Moore's Law. Earlier this year, Ken Kutaragi, who heads up Sony Computer Entertainment, said that in 1999, the processor and graphics chip inside the PlayStation 2 took up 239 square millimeters and 279 square millimeters in surface area, respectively, which made the chips relatively large. By 2004, the two chips were condensed into one chip that took up just 87 square millimeters, almost one-sixth of the size. Merrill Lynch has said the PlayStation 3 manufacturing and materials cost could drop to $320 in just three years. So, they lose money up front on the mm-hmm. early adopters. Right. And then later on down the line, as manufacturing uh, processes improve and get cheaper and there's a higher, you know, they're churning out more units, that's when they can finally start making a profit on the, on the actual systems. So there's some actual hard numbers for uh, you. On the computer itself? On the console? On the console. Okay. Now, they're turning a profit now on the PlayStation 2s. It's but selling them at 120 years. By the way, it's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. Toll free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. The listener map's there. Over 1,700 of our listeners from around the world have added themselves to it. And you can as well. Go to map.freetalklive.com to see what that's all about. Map.freetalklive.com as we go to the phones, to the fun. Rob in Georgia on the Amplifier line. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Yeah, Ian, I saw those same numbers on the PS3 while I was doing uh, official research, you know, on technology matters at work, just in case my boss is listening. You're talking about official research. (laughs) Yeah, official research. You're talking about the uh, the cost. Uh, We were just uh, explaining a few months ago that the PlayStation 3 approximately costs about $800 to manufacture, but yet they're selling it at a $300 loss. Yeah, that's that's easily a record as far as I can tell. I think Sony might really be shooting themselves in the in the foot. I, I know they have deep pockets, but right. three hundred bucks every time somebody's walking out the door seems just incredible. And yeah, it is. I, I think that the real winners this time around might end up being Nintendo. They're, they're um, since their 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 unit is apparently just basically a slightly enhanced version of the GameCube, so it wouldn't surprise me if they're actually able to profit first unit out the door because they're using fairly old technology. The only thing they really added was some wireless features and innovative controller, but a lot of the stuff that it seems to me is that their money went into a lot of the the, the design uh, um, area of it, but I think that in terms of per unit cost, they're going to end up making out like gangbusters. I think you're and probably right about that. People are going to be getting two systems. You know, it's a bit steep to get a $400 system and a $600 system. It's a lot easier to kind of justify maybe a 400 and a 250 which is what you get with a Xbox 360 and a Wii. Right now, with the Xbox 360, since you bring that up, now that was released about a year ago, and when it was originally released, it was losing money as well. However, it's it's already been just a year's time mark, and the Xbox 360 is already a profitable unit. So when it apparently came out, let's see, according to uh, CNET, the Xbox 360 hard drive-equipped Microsoft game console now has a manufacturing and materials cost of $323.30, sells for $399, so it's a $75 profit they're making after the first year. When it launched, however, its component bill was between $501 and $525. So manufacturing costs of the Xbox 360 dropped 200 bucks in just a year's time. It's nice. They used a lot of components that you know you can, you can find in other places. That's well. true. So I think that, that definitely goes to their advantage. I think the sale processor was being, uh, was you know, you really don't see it anywhere except for in the PS3 and in some IBM Blade Center service, which actually is a part of what I officially do, that's mm-hmm. the reason I know that. <laughs> and um, so, but so they're going to have a hard time trying to reduce that component cost. And I remember, you know, a few days ago, you guys were talking about the Neo Geo. Yeah. And I remember when that that thing came out back uh, when I was a kid. I was in a store and I saw one of the most ill-behaved kids in the world. It looked like he must have been about eight years old, and he was just being really disrespectful to his mom and mm-hmm. talking all this. Kind of stuff and screaming, and she was in the process of buying him a Neo Geo and four cartridges. <laughs> wow, now, unbelievable! Eight hundred dollars, and the cartridges cost two hundred dollars each. Yes, they did. It's incredible. <laughs> and I said, "There's no way in the world." But there you go. Spoiled little brat. <laughs> oh, so man. many of them are. I mean, it's just—it's amazing. <laughs> so now, Robert, are you uh, a game player today? Yeah, I mean, I play some, but uh, mostly it's like. It's like for me, it's mostly sports games, mm-hmm. um, gets my friends and stuff. I'm, you know, I'm a much more casual, social kind of gamer. I'm not really one of those guys who gets into the big time. I don't really get into the shooting, shooting games like yeah. the Halos and 
first-person shooters. So the new, the next-generation consoles just don't really hold a lot of appeal for me at this point. I'm right, going to yeah. get them when they get cheap. I mean, the football games, uh, I haven't played a football game in a while. The last one I think I played was for the Dreamcast, and I remember being pretty blown away at how photorealistic it seemed on the Dreamcast. Really, at this point, I mean, they've got the fluid motion, they've got the motion capture, they've got all the things that really make these games look pretty true to life down. It's just basically as they add more processing power, you pretty much just get to, I mean, the only thing that's changing now is like you can see the uh, the lines in their skin instead of just kind of a, a flat polygon. Now they're just getting extremely detailed. You can see the hairs on their arms and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, you can be able to identify guys by tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that that um, I don't quite understand about it is now obviously I'm not on the cutting edge either. I'm happy with my PlayStation 2. I'm not going to be running out mm-hmm. and getting a PlayStation 3. I'm not going to get any of these next gen, um, gen things. But Aren't computer games, the the real computer games, the ones that um, they have on computers, aren't those the best and the fastest and the most realistic? Yeah, but if you're going to get a hardcore gaming system, you're going to end up spending three times what you're going to spend even on a PS3. And with the PS3, you got to remember, you have guaranteed compatibility. Compatibility with what? Different components, motherboard chipsets, any of that stuff. Right. I what see. he means is you, when you get the PlayStation 3 or whatever, any game console, they guarantee that you take that disc pop it in the drive, it's going to play. Whereas right. if you've got a computer, you've got Windows running in the background, that throws in a bunch of questionable elements. Uh, there could be some sort of incompatibility between your graphics card and your other hardware. It could crash in the middle of the game. Not to say that console games don't crash, it's but just very unlikely. It's right. very unlikely. And so yeah, what what Robert's saying is you're paying three times as much for a cutting-edge computer as you'd be paying for the, the PlayStation 3. Of course, computers you can continually upgrade, and you can stay on the cutting edge, whereas the, the, the console game systems continue to get older and more outdated. So it may be the case that right now the PlayStation 3 might actually be better than any of the computer games out there, but hmm. it's still it's it's still a hell of a competition. Won't take long, huh? Yeah. And one one final thing, one thing that that does happen with consoles that doesn't really happen so much with computers is that you know you keep on upgrading your hardware, but you can't upgrade a console so much, nope. not usually anyway. So what happens is the the game the programmers actually get better at programming a console over time. Ah. It seems to be with computers they just get more sloppy, and you're gonna throw more hardware at it anyway. So. You don't really have to optimize the code. As much. That's an interesting observation. Robert, thank you for the call. We appreciate it as always. 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line. That, that is a, a great point in that yeah. the, the best games for a game system are usually not launch games. You know, the launch games essentially are the ones that are sort of rushed out to kind of yeah. make, make it so you can buy some stuff. Sure, you need to have some a game to play on this console. Right, and they basically the programmers have a grasp, uh, you know, a basic grasp of what they can do with the system. But as they go on in time, you know, three years later, better games are going to come out. They're mm-hmm. going to understand how to use the hardware better. They're going to have more experience at programming for that hardware. Because every time a new game system comes out, you know, the rules change. For the programmers that are trying, that are making the games, there's there's new sets of code and there's new things that they need to learn, and you know, there's a learning curve on programming, just like anything else. I would I mean, imagine that's so. If you think there's a learning curve sitting down playing your favorite game, imagine writing that game. I mean, wow. It, you know, it really, it's amazing how um, much of a learning curve. You can play this bo- board over and over and over again, and then finally you defeat it, and then it's not that hard to defeat it again and again and again. I yeah. don't understand why that is, but. It was so hard to win earlier, and now I'm I'm consistently winning it. So um, anyway, the PlayStation 3 story continues. Uh, Nintendo's Wii expected two days from the PlayStation 3 launch. 
So, again, we're sort of following this situation here. Uh, if anything crazy happens in some of those lines, and uh, we miss And it will. Story. Yeah, well, it inevitably will. <laughs> uh, and we miss, apparently they're lining up here in, uh, in Keene, where we're doing the show from. I, I bet if you go to any Walmart tonight at about 1130, you're going to see a line of people. Pretty much. Well, yeah, they didn't know why uh, people were sleeping outside of the uh, Walmart. Who didn't know that? Uh, the police. They were called. The police? Yeah, they didn't understand. They don't play the PlayStation? Come on. Well, they just didn't know. Huh. All right. You take control of the airwaves. You bring up whatever's on your mind. Speaking of the police, uh, Mark, I believe you have something about how the police are, in this country, going to be throwing immigrants into detention centers for an indefinite period of time. I do. What's that all about? Um, Washington from the AP. Immigrants arrested in the United States may be held indefinitely on suspicion of terrorism and may not challenge their imprisonment in civilian courts, the Bush administration said Monday, Mm. opening a new legal front in the fight over the rights of detainees. In court documents filed with the Fourth U.S. uh, Circuit Court of Appeals in Richmond, Virginia, the Justice Department said a new anti-terrorism law being used to hold detainees in Guantanamo Bay also applies to foreigners captured and held in the United States. Ali's and it applies to Americans as well, except they're going to do it to foreigners first, and we can set the pace. Well, it, it's happened to Americans, um, but yeah. you know they're going to do it in mass to the illegal immigrants, and then mm-hmm. you know things are just going to progress. Uh, Ali Saleh Kalama Al-Mari, a citizen of Qatar, was arrested in 2001 while studying in the United States. He's been labeled an enemy combatant, designated that under the law signed last month, strips away foreigners the right to choose, challenge their detention in federal courts. That's right. More to come here. 800-259-9231. Just wait. They're going to start filling up detention centers or concentration camps, as they used to be called. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show, you take control. The Packet 8 toll free line for you, 800-259-9231, and anything goes, that's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all of the features on the site for free. We give them away, freetalklive.com. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff from two specific locations, store.freetalklive.com, for all kinds of Free Talk Live-related merchandise, hats, t-shirts, Classic archives on DVD collector sets, all there at store.freetalklive.com. And then there's amazon.freetalklive.com, where you can get anything else. I mean, whether it's uh, whether it's furniture, electronics, uh, DVDs, books, groceries, amazon.freetalklive.com. You place an order, and then we get a percentage of whatever it is that you're purchasing. That's amazon.freetalklive.com. Great way to get the stuff you want. Help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. Oh, yeah, and free Super Saver shipping on a whole bunch of items at amazon.freetalklive.com. So, back to the story about the immigrants. The Bush administration announcing plans to just toss them into the uh, military brigs, throw them into civil detention centers, which they have a contract to build uh, $380 million of these detention centers, um, apparently because they're not American citizens, so therefore... It'll be really easy to just railroad them into these uh, detention centers, especially considering that uh, a lot of Americans are vehemently anti-immigration at this moment in time. Well, not so to this... mention they, they have no right to, to even dispute this in federal court. Right. That's just it. They throw they call them enemy combatants. They throw them in. This guy's last Case name closed. is yeah. This guy's last name is Almari. He's a citizen of um, Qatar. He was arrested in 2001 while studying in the United States. Who knows? Who knows whether this guy was a you know uh, bloodthirsty terrorist i don't Mm -hmm. but we'll never know he's been in jail since then yep and no access to a lawyer no right to a public trial 
None of that. And it, now they're going to do this to immigrants. And, you know, the thing is, is you and I have to pay for it. It's fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year to keep these people locked up. Well, it may be more like 50 or 30 but either way, it's still 30. a lot of money. You think it's thirty? Only $30,000 to lock up one In of these guys? In a detention center, probably doesn't cost as much. They're just going to throw them all into one big room together and turn on the gas. Oh, wait, <laughs> they haven't planned that part yet. But eventually they're going to have so many people to detain, why they're going to have to get rid of them, Why wouldn't the right? detention center be a maximum security prison? Why isn't it? I don't know. Well, uh, how the hell do you think they're going to keep them inside? Yeah. I mean, mm. you don't think it's going to be legal to get out of that detention center, do you? I'm not sure what it's these a detention prison. centers are going to be it's like. It's a prison. It's it's they're not going to the, they're the, not going to paint a line in the sand and say, "Hey guys, don't cross this." Yeah, what were the uh I don't know, what were the concentration camps like? Were those you know, were those prisons? Those were those were probably um, make, makeshift, fast prisons of their right. time. Um, I mean, I believe like, these are going to be makeshift and fast compared to a, a real prison. That's what I think. I don't see why. I mean, did, did you see the so contracts? They can build a bunch the, of them. They've given huge contracts to Halliburton. They can build a bunch of them. I don't know if the paycheck's there. But three hundred eighty-five million dollars is the contract. I mean, it's that sounds huge, but as far as a prison is concerned, how many beds for three hundred eighty million dollars? I don't know. None of these things have been have been outlined. We I just understand know they have the contract. Well, you know that they're going to go over budget, right? That's a guarantee every single time. I don't see any reason why they would do that. Um, why they would make a um, why they would go and make cheapies. Well, Sheriff Joe Arpaio Look, is if, uh, if has his tent city. That's got to be pretty cheap. Arpaio is is um, housing you know just drug dealers and stuff like that. Guys well, that know. Be wait a second. Wait a second, Ian. You're not even thinking about this. Arpaio is um, is housing people who are waiting to go to trial. These these guys realize. They're not getting a fair trial. They mm-hmm. can't get a trial. They could never go home. These guys are desperate men. They essentially, once you're put in there, you've got a life sentence. You don't know when. Uh, you don't know what they're going to tell them. They could be telling them all kinds of things. They when could be do they saying, go? You got to see people go home, Ian. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's what are they going to do? Move guys around <laughs> randomly from one um, detention center to the next? Yeah, you can't. Know. These guys aren't in a vacuum. They see the news. They get newspapers. They're, they're going to hear stuff. They won't be getting the news uh, newspapers in the detention centers. Sure, they get newspapers in detention centers. Why would they get the detention centers? They get them in prison. Like? Why wouldn't they get them in prison? Well, the... I don't know. These are going to be you're different. You're just presupposing. The fact I, is, you're presupposing too. You're, the, that's the, all supposition. The fact is, no, I, I'm not presupposing. I understand how corrections work. But this isn't. Uh, this is federal. This is not. You know, your state Look, prison. Ian, they have. They're going to be detention centers. Suppose there's nine detention centers they build for their 300. Um, billion dollars yeah. or whatever the hell it is um they they have to put these guys in there they either have to release them or um they have to move them around to pretend like they're releasing them mm. well then guys are coming in from other um detention centers right so the guys talking to the new guys and say hey where you, did you just get locked up no okay I just, fine came yeah, in from that other detention center. yeah essentially they're going to realize that they're locked up forever they've all got life sentences do you want to work at the detention center where everybody's got a life sentence <laughs> I mean, <laughs> prison break. I mean, my God, it, it's terrible. It, it would be awful. It, this is awful. I mean, they have to run a maximum security prison because otherwise these guys will rush the, the fences in mass. Yeah. They'll throw their bodies As against the should. Constantine wire. As they should. Because <laughs> I mean, this is insane. It is insane. <laughs> oh. An insane uh, plan like this deserves an insane uh, response. The law is being uh, used to argue Guantanamo Bay cases, but Almari represents the first detainee inside the United States to come under the, the new law. Aliens normally have the right to contest their imprisonment, such as when they're arrested on immigration violations or other crimes, mm. m- rape, murder, whatever. They can contest that stuff. It's pretty stunning that any alien living in the United States can be denied this right, said Jonathan 
Heftus, the attorney for Almari. It means that any non-citizen, and there are millions of them, can be whisked off at night and put in detention. The yep. new law says that the enemy combatants will be tried before military commissions, not civilian um, judge or jury, the established, um, dis- and establishes different rules of evidence in the cases. It also prohibits detainees from challenging their detention in civilian court. Right. This is the first step. I mean, this is the first of many steps towards um, doing this more towards the American people. They're going to have an easy time rounding up the immigrants because mm-hmm. nobody wants to stand up for the immigrants. I mean, Free Talk Live stands up for them. Uh, those who want to live their lives in freedom and make their lives better. Uh, we're obviously against the welfare state, and immigration is a whole other issue. That's not what we're talking about right now. It's the immigrants who just happen to be the first and easiest target of this Military Commissions Act, which does what you just outlined. It allows them to just pick these people up, throw them in the detention centers, and give them a trial, if they feel like it, in front of a military court. And you'll never know who's gone missing. You'll never know. Uh, you'll never be able to talk to them, to communicate with them. And you'll never really know what the results are. People don't care very much. I mean, these are, these right. are immigrants. They're relatively new Many in America. Many of them leaving their families mm-hmm. to come here. So people aren't even going to know they've been picked up. And this is going to be the first step, Mark. They're going to get away with it, with the immigrants, for, the, for, a, for a while. They're going to start throwing the immigrants yep. into the, into the and prisons. And by a while, we mean a few years, and not a, a few decades. And then eventually what they're going to do is they're going to come out and they're going to say, well, this program of immigration control has been an, uh, a, a, a total unqualified success. Yes. We have taken criminals off the streets. We have taken Terrorists. lawbreakers. Terrorists, mad bombers, murderers, yep. rapists, drug dealers. We've they'd, taken them off the streets. They'd eviscerated your children. They'd have had their right. blood from their claws. These and terrorists are evil. And we've taken them and put them into these detention centers where we're, we're keeping them nice and, and safe for, from you. And, uh, and you know what? It's worked so well. Now we're going to start doing it with any criminal in the United States. Right. Because well, these you've trials... got to be able to do it with – the problem is, is you can, if you don't have enough evidence, you have to be able to do it with people with uh, Latin American surnames. Yeah. You have to be able to do it with black people. Right. Um, these, Poor these folks. These folks are dangerous. Dangerous people. Who? So the the uh, the the people we're talking about. Who? The ones with Latin surnames. The oh, ones with uh, the black ones. They're the, pretending uh, like you're a government agent. Uh, well, I mean, isn't it obvious? Yeah. Isn't it obvious how dangerous these illegal aliens are? We have to be able to just no, call them. No, it's not. Yeah. No, they they want to help. They want to live them uh, live a free life and and help businesses profit and or maybe they're terrorists. Services. But can't we just charge them with being a terrorist? And give them a trial as a terrorist? No, we can't do that. They uh, they might uh, send a secret message. A secret message? What yeah, kind of secret they're on message? The tra- you, you just don't understand What the kind terrorists. of secret message would a terrorist There's a secret that's code. In, been in jail for several it's, months? It's a code. They got the codes. But what, what difference does it make? You put them on the stand, they're going to give out a, a, a What code. kind of code? Suppose he could. We can't talk suppose about we that. gave him 10 minutes we, right, to, secret. to secretly talk to these people. What does a guy who's been in prison for three months. Look, if you keep asking these questions, we're going to throw your ass. <laughs> I think that's probably what's the, the case. I don't doubt that it may happen one day. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is what they're going to do. They're going to say, this has been such an unqualified success. Look at how we're protecting America. You know what? Why should we be wasting all of this money? You know, this could be a conservative thing. They could say, hey, America, we want to save you taxpayer dollars by not having trials anymore. You know, it's worked so well with the immigrants. Let's start putting uh, drug users, drug dealers, uh, petty criminals. Let's start putting these people in military prisons, give them military tribunals. Who needs to pay for all these defense attorneys and all that? Wouldn't that help clean up the streets? Wouldn't that help keep America safe? And isn't that what you want, America? Don't you want to be safe? Aren't you willing to do what it takes, America, to be safe? Sell your freedom. Sell my freedom. 
for safety because that's what they're talking about. And in fact, maybe they'll put some porn uh, porn stars in as well while mm, they're at it. That's right. Because now they're uh, prosecuting people for obscenity charges. They've been doing this all throughout 2006. They started it, I believe, in 2005. And we've got another instance now. This one's not federal. It's a state obscenity charge. And we're going to bring you the details on that coming up in hour number three. It's yet another outrageous case, except in this t- in this case, it doesn't involve the really, really sick, twisted porn, but classic porn. Really? Now, classic porn is obscene. We're going to come back and give you the details on the way here. 800-259-9231. Who's going to be in the detention camps next? Place your bets. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is hour number three of the Thursday edition. You can call in about whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the all of the features you will find on our website are totally free. That's freetalklive.com. So last hour I mentioned that we've been sort of following these stories of obscenity prosecutions, as they call them. Uh, they've been happening more and more frequently, it seems. And they typically are targeted against individuals who are running websites that happen to have some really explicit content. I don't mean just your average hardcore pornography, mm-hmm. uh, which, which, you know, the definition of hardcore is showing penetration. Not talking about that. I'm talking about, um, you know, violent rape fantasy porn, uh, talking about uh, bestiality style stuff. I mean, really just the, the sick, sick, extra sick stuff. Like, um, you know, pictures or um, computer animation of adults having sex with children. Not actual child porn, but like talking about it or drawing of it and that kind of right, thing. Right, that's, uh, that's been prosecuted. Also, violence, like sex with violence involved, the really uh, sadomasochistic style websites. These are some of the people that have been targeted, or some of, the, some of them have been porn producers themselves. The uh, video producers have been targeted as well by federal agents. And it has been my suggestion, Mark, that, well, again, this is just the beginning of the prosecutions. What they're going to do is they're going to go after the most extreme purveyors of porn first. And the business, the uh, the adult industry, has sort of backed away and said, well, you know, just as long as you leave us alone. Right. Uh, okay. Regular sex and everything. Yeah, we won't stand up for these other guys. They're freaky guys, and uh, it's okay. You can go after them. Just d- don't hurt us, okay? As though the government cares. You know, as though the government... It's just making the government's job easier, them not getting involved, them not standing up for the freedoms of uh, their counterparts. And now it's already begun to expand, Mark. In Virginia, two owners of the Virginia sex shop known as Pheromones except it's spelled P-A-G-R-O-M-O-A-N-S, were indicted on three misdemeanor charges of violating the state's obscenity laws. Each charge carries a maximum penalty of 12 months in jail and a $2,500 fine. It's in Virginia, by the way, it's a crime to sell adult movies, but not to buy or possess them, which makes you wonder how on earth they could even have an adult store, a sex shop. 
It doesn't is make this, any sense. Is this a crime that is, is rarely enforced and is now be. being enforced? How else could it be? Detective John Hughes began his investigation into Leslie Mason and Megan Pacheo's pheromone store on October 23rd when he purchased barely legal hotties and one other adult film. Another detective returned later that day and purchased two more adult films, according to adult re- ad- court records. The subsequent, on a subsequent October 27th trip, detectives purchased The Devil and Miss Jones and Deep Throat. Classics from the golden age of adult film. We're talking late 1970s here, right. as I understand it, or 1970s, early 80s, around there, back when people didn't shave, I guess, in uh, in porn. Eek! And th- apparently the Gerard Damiano-directed Deep Throat was successfully used in an obscenity prosecution in Stafford, same place that this, this happened, North Stafford, Virginia, 20 years ago. So they got this, uh, they, they got somebody on an obscenity charge for this very same video, uh, two decades in the past, so they figured they'd try it again. Given the relatively tame sexual acts depicted in both of the classic films, First Amendment attorney Lawrence Walters found their selections in, uh, in an obscenity bust to be strange. Quote, both movies have been around for decades and are now part of the American culture. These, uh, this might be part of an intentional strategy by the prosecutors because the bar will be set very low for what constitutes an obscene work if they get a conviction. Yeah. So do you see what's going on here? Uh, I I guess that they're just trying to see what you know throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what happens. Well, they apparently something happened 20 years ago with this particular film, so they're trying it again. Except now, I guess they have a different obscenity statute. I don't know what has changed in the past mm-hmm. uh, 20 years to make them all of a sudden start going after porn stores again. Maybe just some uh, Bible-bashing zealot got elected or something like that, some Puritan that wants to enforce his way on everyone else. I don't know what precipitated this, but it's happening. And these people are going to be brought up on three charges. Again, a maximum penalty of 12 months in jail for selling a porn video. $2,500 fine. You know, it's all going to come in from the Internet at that point, where it's not illegal. Yeah, that's, uh, well, until they can start putting uh, putting more people out of business on the Internet. Then, that's of course, it's all going to go overseas. From Canada. Both movies have, uh, additionally, Walter said the inclusion of Deep Throat in obscenity cases has resulted in both convictions and acquittals. So while there's precedent for the case to move forward, the defense can successfully use a counter-argument. Hughes said that purchased movies have a dominant theme. This is the cop, uh, the detective, John Hughes. Have a dominant theme, which is prurient, uh, prurient in nature, according to an affidavit from a search warrant. Peterson told Fredericksburg.com, a local news site, that the police investigation was, quote, spurred by complaints from the community. Oh, really? (laughs) Really? The community cared? So, because there's a few Puritans out there in the community who bothered to pick up their phones and complain to the police, supposedly, they went out and shut down somebody's business. I wonder if I could call the police and complain that they shut down that business. And it would matter. Yeah, I wonder if they would reverse their uh, their prosecution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if three Puritans called and complained about one store, and then six people called and said, "Hey, I shop there. Hey, I I buy porn videos from that store. I rent that that porn, and I demand this place be left open." Would they say, "Oh, yeah, you know what? Community's demanding it. We better just reverse our prosecution here." Ridiculous. Uh, the idea that they would do that is ridiculous. It's just ridiculous sure that they're doing it. Stafford, by the way, hasn't pursued an obscenity case since the 1980s. So apparently now, all of a sudden, porn stores are offensive, whereas for the past uh, two decades, they haven't been. Free Speech Coalition Board Chair Jeffrey Douglas believes prosecutors might be politically motivated to obtain an obscenity conviction. Quote, one aphorism I use is an obscenity prosecution occurs at the convergence of politics and ideology. 
announcing the indictment on the eve of an election is a political stunt. Given that Deep Throat and The Devil and Miss Jones are plot-driven stories that are part of pop culture, makes this case fascinating and one the industry should watch. Quote, this is a good one. It's hard to imagine in this day and age that Deep Throat and The Devil and Miss Jones are prosecutable in a country that's not being run by the Taliban. End quote. <laughs> I can't even imagine that they're, that they're going after this nonsense. I, Why? What a waste of taxpayers' money. Well, apparently these uh, people that complained wouldn't think it's a waste of taxpayers' money. They're probably absolutely peach, pleased as peaches. Well, those, those people are just want to spend our money. Yep. Bunch of do-gooders. Bunch of do-gooding, uh, puritanical, probably evangelical Christians behind this. And they're probably porn addicts secretly themselves. They're probably secret porn addicts that want to shut the store down so they, so they, don't, they can't go anywhere to buy their porn. 800-259-9231. That's the Pack-A-Day toll-free line. Do you know somebody like this? Do you know somebody that would make these complaints? Is anything like this happening in your area? Because this is just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. If they get a conviction on this, Mark, they can go after any porn store in the entire state of Virginia. And then what if this is appealed? You know, what if this is appealed up to the, you know, the Supreme Court and backed up? then that's going to back up these sorts of prosecutions all over the country. Well, um, it won't entirely. State law doesn't doesn't really uh, convert to federal law in that manner, but um, it, it can be used to, to cite as, uh, you know, the, the prosecutions in other states can cite it as uh, precedent, that's for certain, but they would have to have a law like Virginia has a law, and I don't know, and neither does anybody else listening, and neither do the cops if there are anti-porn laws in the particular state they're in, mm -hmm. because there's so many laws that a person could never read them all. Yeah, and I'm betting they probably have obscenity laws in pretty much every state. And so then it's just a matter of arresting somebody, slapping them with an obscenity charge, and seeing if it sticks in court. So this could happen anywhere. And now it's happening in Virginia, and maybe it's going to be happening somewhere near you. And it's all the result of these Puritans in this country who believe that they can just force everybody to have the same moral system. They believe that their set of values is inherently true and correct and must be uh, imposed upon the rest of the populace at the point of a gun. Because if these people go back and continue, to selling, uh, continue selling porn videos after they've been convicted, they're just going to get targeted again. And again and again, if they keep going back, they're going to get thrown in jail and... This is bad news, man. This is not good for freedom in the United States. Regardless of what you think of porn, people should be free to purchase and consume it if they like. Do you disagree? 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control and bring up whatever you want. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 9231, and join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Live streams are there, broadband version of the show, dial-up version, both of them completely free, freetalklive.com. Hey, send some um, something unique to your friends this Christmas. Check out these cool business card-sized CD holiday greeting cards. They're, they have a special Bethlehem postmark. And if you go to this uh, website, Ian, um, they have the it's, – it's this guy's eBay store, and you can click through, and you can see all these uh, business card-sized um, pictures of, like, Snowman and Bethlehem and the Three Wise Men and that kind of thing. So uh, – um, and this guy's a real freedom fighter. Go to uh, 
ebay.2freedom. That's the number two, freedom.com. That's ebay.2freedom.com. All right, there you go. Check it out. All right, so uh, we were talking about profanity and obscenity and these obscenity prosecutions that are uh, going on, continue to go on in the United States to very little fanfare. I mean, these people are being prosecuted. In this case, it's uh, two people that are running a, uh, were running a porn store, an adult store, in the state of Virginia, being brought up on charges because they sold a porn to some guy who happened to be a detective. They sold a, a porn video to somebody who voluntarily bought a porn video. I mean, this isn't like they went out, I could understand, maybe, maybe, if they went outside of their store with a uh, projector unit and projected, <laughs> you know, a hundred inches of porn on the side of the, the building next door in the middle of the night next to a highway. I could understand maybe, a, you know, a charge being brought in that particular case. Then in that case, they're displaying obscenity, so the kids on the you know the kids in the cars with their parents could see it that you know might hold some water but to suggest that there's something that's illegal or something wrong with selling a product to a consenting adult is absolutely outrageous and anathema to the principles this country supposedly stands for and you know it's contrary to what the majority in this country would want but are you saying the majority in the country want porn I, I would say that the majority in uh, majority in the country would want people to be able to buy porn. Now you could, I hope you're right. You could start chipping away at that, and you'd say you'd ask people, "Well, do you want everybody to be able to buy S and M porn? What about porn where they're hanging themselves from hooks in the bathtub? You know, and yes, and yes, uh, you would say that. But <laughs> once you start getting into the sick stuff, and you you, you ask people questions and well, things like I... that. Yeah, yeah. Then they're gonna then they're gonna start backing off their answer. But basically, people want you to have the right to, to purchase porn, whether or not um, they want to do it or, or whatever. But it's just a vocal minority. That's all it's always been. And these are old laws. Apparently they are. But uh, what is old is new again, Mark. Yeah. 800-259-9231. Let's go, since we were in Virginia, let's go across the border. Let's go to Canada and talk about what's going on with college professors in Canada. This is I think, very interesting. I think this is very interesting in the light that um, here in the United States, it's becoming, uh, you know, you just read the story where it was illegal for for you to smoke anywhere in this town in California. Mm -hmm. Anywhere in the town. The use of medical, um, t Toronto Reuters, the use of medical marijuana has given two Toronto professors the right to something that many students could only dream of. The access to specifically ventilated rooms where they can indulge in peace. The two at the esteemed University of Toronto and York University, um, north of the city, suffer from chronic medical conditions that some doctors say can be eased by smoking marijuana. Hmm. They're among nearly 1,500 Canadians who have won the right to use the drug for health reasons. Using won the right. Yes. I love these words. Yes. As, though you, as though you can win you can and possibly lose win rights. a right. Um, if you rights are supposed it, to be inherited. It's not a right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And if it's something you won, never mind. Yeah. So um, using human rights legislation, the two petitioned their employers for the right to light up in the workplace. They faced a legal struggle, but the universities eventually agreed. Without the medication, I'm disabled, and I'm not able to carry out meaningful and valuable productive work, said York University criminology professor Brian McLean. He's a criminology professor. <laughs> who great. suffers from a severe form of degener degenerative arthritis. It helps me to maintain my mobility as um, as a physical problem, but it also helps me to keep the pain at a distance so that I can focus on my work. Hmm. 
McLean's um, three-month battle to persuade York University to provide a light-up room finally obtained this month um, in short comparison to the University of Toronto philosophy professor Doug Hutchinson's year-long struggle. It took Professor uh, McLean a season, um, three full months, to get a similar accommodation, and I believe that in Canada now we should hope that the next person gets the accommodation not more than a month, said Hutchinson. Wait a minute. They built a special room for this one guy? I don't smoke pot in. I don't know whether they built it or whether they uh, just renovated had, it. Uh, whatever. It, the room was probably already there, but it, the ventilation system t- to me sounds a little unusual. Yeah, well, the room probably was and and was probably ventil. And you know, it's Toronto. Half the year, these people cannot go outside. Yeah, they'll die. The mm. weather just kill them right yeah. there instantly. <laughs> so cold, you die. I don't know if it's that. I don't bad. know. McLean. McLean says the three-month response time from the university put him in a vulnerable position both medically and professionally as he smoked joints on the edge of campus and thus (laughs) the edge of law. (laughs) He now uses a special vaporizer that he says allows him to absorb the medical components of marijuana without the residues that come from smoking a joint. It's true. Yep. Health um, Canada uh, figures show that 1,492 people are authorized to possess marijuana for medical purposes in Canada. Although it's not clear how the law um, on using the drug tallies with the uh, uh, Ontario provincial legislation that bans smoking in the workplace. <laughs> so Canada, where laws on um, the <laughs> possession of marijuana are much less tough than those in the United States, has allowed right. the use of marijuana for medical purposes since 2001. The government grows the drug in part from a um, in part of a zinc mine in Flin Flon, Manitoba, and sells it to authorized users at uh, five bucks a gram. Yeah, we talked about the uh, government's pod in Canada. It's apparently pretty pretty bad stuff. As in bad as in you don't want it. Yeah, I'm Unless sure. Unless it's gotten better, which... I wouldn't... I, well, why would it? Yeah. They're not uh, motivated. Right. So Canada, you know, they're doing better than the United States. They're not quite as uh, bad off as we are as far as their marijuana legislation is concerned. Not perfect over there quite yet. I mean, only allowing 1,400 people uh, access to this particular drug, and I presume that's only to the government supply. So, eh, you know, it's good news, I guess. I don't know. It's not it's not great news, but it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It well, it's it's not it's just interesting that they get to, you know, smoke there and they're they're in the university in special right. ventilated rooms while um while it's the cigarette smokers have to go outside to smoke. <laughs> Even it's it, it's banned in the workplace to smoke, but they they have to be able to um yeah. they have to provide these medical guys with I don't know, it's med- That's it's very medicine. funny. Oh it, well, and and maybe he's getting around the uh, the smoking law by the vaporizer. That might be the that might be the workaround. Mm-hmm. Considering they say you can't smoke in the workplace, well, vapor isn't smoke. And if in case you've never heard of the vaporizer, it's a, it's a pretty interesting concept. Basically, the idea is when you're smoking marijuana or any plant matter, tobacco, whatever, you're you're essentially combusting it. You're applying a flame to plant matter and burning it. Right. Well. Vaporizing is different. You essentially vaporizers are usually basically a uh, a soldering iron with a special attachment on the top of it that hmm. essentially turns it into a a bowl for smoking or not smoking but for vaporizing things in. You plug it in. You wait for it to heat up till maybe five ten minutes. I'm not sure how how quick they are, but you wait for them to heat up. Then you put the plant matter into this little smoking apparatus, and you can watch as this sort of whitish vapor. Starts, it's totally different color from smoke. Hmm. Starts to sort of rise up from the plant matter, and it fills this glass uh, glass globe that's over top of it. And you just inhale the the vapor from the glass globe. It's much it's much less harsh uh, than smoking things, and apparently it's much better for you as well. 
Anyway, 800-259-9231. we got bad drug war news coming up. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show, you take control. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Sign up for the updates. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, you'll know first if you're on the updates list. And you can get on it by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates.freetalklive.com. And register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th. Meet libertarian superstars John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to get registered to learn more. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Talking about the war on drugs, this is the bad news in the war on drugs. There's some good news um, coming out of Canada, but the bad news, of course, coming from the United States. Bradenton, Florida, as a matter of fact. Uh, hey, that's my home. I was That's my hometown. Yep, that's, uh, that's pretty close to where I used to live as well. But, uh, for years, the Bradenton Police Department, according to the Herald Tribune, has quietly, without judicial review, confiscated hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash and property from people they arrested for drug possession and other crimes. Hmm. You know, they've they, uh, the Bradenton Police Force has been, uh, well, they were involved in this whole Delta Task Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wasn't that the sheriff? Uh, I thought, I can't remember. I that's the sheriff. Oh, that's the sheriff? Okay, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Manatee County and their, uh, the whole deal there is messed up. Mm, yes, it is. Well, the police bypass the courts and confiscate money and property on the spot through a department-created form called the Contraband Forfeiture Agreement. By signing it, a person agrees to relinquish their property to the police and waive any rights that they have to try to get it back through the courts. Well, what about, um, I mean, do they sign this so that they don't get charged? Oh, I don't know about that. They They just put a piece of paper in front of them. Yeah, that's probably what they're doing. You remember the story about Eugene Seiler? He's the um, uh, drug dealer. He was a yeah, drug dealer. Yeah, the one that they beat up. They beat the, the crap audio out tape. of him on on audio tape. They didn't know they were being. This taped. wasn't the. But Braden what were they trying to get department. him to do when they were beating him up? Confess. Sign a piece of paper. Oh yeah. Sign it, Eugene. Sign it. Remember that? Yeah. There was a, f- a full forty minutes of them beating this beating man, him, yeah. attempting to get him to sign a very similar waiver. In some cases, including one last year where police seized more than $43,000 from a man during a traffic stop, people have signed over cash and other property without ever getting charged with a crime. The cash and revenue from other forfeited property, such as cars, DVDs, and TVs, go into a police bank account and is spent on equipment, drug abuse prevention, and community-based programs, and donuts. The bank account has reached 150000 in recent years. Uh, attorneys and constitutional law scholars say they're concerned Bradenton police may be pressuring people to sign away property. Hmm, you think? Really? No, the police would do something like that and their legal rights without an attorney. State laws under the Florida Contraband Forfeiture Act say a person is entitled to have a judge, not a police officer, determine the merits of forfeiture. Quote, who knows what they're telling people to get them to sign it, said a Sarasota-based defense attorney, Henry Lee, who represented a woman last year in a police forfeiture case in Bradenton. This is a source of revenue for the police, and it's just rife for abuse. A Manatee County judge last year found fault with the department's forfeiture procedure in a case where the police took more than $7,000 from a woman arrested for a driver's license violation after a traffic stop. 
So she doesn't even have. I mean, these right, people don't even. It. There's just no evidence um, of drug use or or abuse or dealing. Apparently, just the fact that there's cash is the evidence of the drug use or drug uh, drug dealing. And, just having cash. That's all. Right. And uh, they put it. They put us. I guess put a form in front of this woman. Took the cash from her and uh, let her go. Hey. Should be feeling good there, lady. You didn't go to jail. It only cost you $7,000. You shouldn't have had all that cash. Judge Douglas Henderson said Jacelia Baines, age 28, didn't knowingly and willingly agree to give up her attorney, despite the appearance of her name on the department's forfeiture agreement. Police were ordered to return the money. This is a rarity. Okay. Bradenton Police Chief Michael Radzilowicki said Henderson did not dismiss the agreement itself in the Banals case. He said... He didn't say the written agreement wasn't any good. If the courts were uh, say we're doing something improper or illegal, we'll change it. So they haven't changed it. They aren't going to be changing no, it. No, why would they? There's all that money to be had. The contraband agreement, which purports to be a binding legal document, is expected to become the centerpiece of a court fight in Manatee County. A lawsuit filed recently challenges the legitimacy of the forfeiture document. The case is rooted in the police seizure of, this time, $10,000, from a 20-year-old Orlando man, Delane Johnson, in July. Johnson, questioned amid a robbery investigation, was arrested on a rarely used charge of failing to report a business transaction that exceeds $10,000. But prosecutors said it's not a crime to carry that amount of cash. Hold on. You have to report a business transaction of $10,000 more? Sounds, it sounds like a, a drug, uh, a drug mo- money laundering uh, crime. Uh, what happens so-called? if I buy a car from you for $11,000? You are supposed to report it. To whom? To the authorities. Well, who are the authorities in this case? I don't know. They don't make it clear in the article. But there's somebody there is, that you're supposed the to thing, report to. Right, and I'm supposed to know this? Yes, you're supposed to know all of the laws, Mark. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Get out the books and sit down and read them, sir. How dare you say you don't know what the law is? God. I personally spend ten hours every day reading the law. You'd have to. Well, yeah, you would, and then, and you'd then even, you wouldn't, and then you'd never make it. You might, you might actually be able to scratch the surface of maybe the zoning code if you spent ten hours a day reading law. But right, really, your whole life. It's insane, insane to believe that people are supposed to know these things. So the prosecutors, the state, uh, the prosecutor said it's not a crime to carry ten thousand dollars, and the state dropped the charge in August. Now Johnson, the man in question, police say, signed away his rights to the cash and authorities deposited the money in a police account within a week of the arrest. Police say it'll take a court order to get them to return Johnson's cash. So it doesn't matter that they had to drop the that they dropped the charges since he signed this piece of paper. Cops get to keep his money. Isn't that cool? I mean, if you're a cop, all you have to do is get somebody to sign a piece of paper and you get to take all their money from them. And it's fully legal. And it goes straight to the police department or it goes into a police uh, account. Yes. Hmm. Johnson's attorneys want to force a judge, uh, want a judge to force the police department to use the courts in forfeiture cases and stop negotiating with people as they're arrested. Bradenton's the only law enforcement agency in the area that doesn't file its forfeiture complaints in court to initiate proceedings. Hopefully we'll put a stop to it when we get it in front of a judge. There are possible corruption charges on a criminal level. Yeah, but not very likely. It's not very likely that if, if this does get overturned, They'll just flip it over, and, and they'll stop with the form, and they'll come up with something else. Nobody's going to get brought up on charges. No. I can't imagine they would. Police dismiss any notion they're bullying well, only, people. Not, not, no police are going to get brought up on right, charges. Right, that's what I mean. Police dismiss any notion they're bullying people into signing away cash and property. Oh, we're not doing that. The police chief defends the practice, saying a person has a right to decide how to dispose of their property. Quote, 
people involved in crime are, are more apt to walk away from the money. We're not looking to take money from innocent people. We're only trying to take the profit out of the narcotics oh, business. Oh, because it's so easy to get your money back if it's legitimate. Um, I'm sure that it's just very easy to get your ten grand back. But they're not looking to take money from innocent people, Mark. Absolutely. They're just looking to take money. Right. And then it depends on, well, you know, they try hard enough and they wait the years and file all the paperwork that we want them to do in order well, to get it back. Then it might, maybe they weren't so bad. These cops are so slimy. This guy is such a slime ball to say something like, well, they're not looking to take money from innocent people. Well, sir, you have been taking money from innocent people. It's clear they're innocent because no charges were brought against right. them. And even if the charges were brought, they haven't been convicted. These are people that had money on them. They're guilty of having cash. That's, That's it. not a crime, nor should it be. Rad Zalowski, the bureaucrat, said very few people who contest forfeiture actually win in court. Johnson isn't the first person who later had second thoughts about signing their property away. He says, this isn't the first, and it won't be the last legal fight. Yeah, that's right, because we're going to fight to the death so we can have our little forfeiture form to force on people who are scared. Because, first of all, even if you are a drug dealer, or you're not, either way, you're probably going to be somewhat uh, you know, scared by the fact that the police are surrounding your car, demanding you, you know, allow them to search. There's authoritarian and frightening in demeanor. For anybody, I think, yep. well, except the most hardened of criminals, and well, or people that know their rights. That's true. But even though you know, even if you know your rights, you can still get an adrenaline rush and get pretty, you know, oh, frightened sure. by men with guns standing around. Sure, you. sure. And when those men with guns start to um, suggest that you sign a piece of paper, and that if you don't sign this piece of paper, they're going to take you down to the pokey, throw you in a cage. Then there's, you know, a lot of people that would go ahead and sign that piece of paper, believing the men with guns, who right. has been shown time and time again, lie through their teeth. They just lie and lie and lie. I mean, they might get you to sign the paper and then take you down and throw you in a cage anyway. More on the way. You take control of the airwaves. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. Oh, even in these remaining moments here, the Thursday edition, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 is the packet eight toll-free line for you to take control, and it is your show. It is Free Talk Live. You can join us on our website as well at freetalklive.com. All of the features we give you there are for free. Those other radio talk show hosts want to charge you five, six, or seven bucks a month to give you access to their membership forums, but we do it all for free, up front. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show in return. You know, you like the site, you like the features, you like the freedom, well, send us a couple bucks a month through the AMP program. Go to amp.freetalklive.com and join the over 305 amplifiers that we have. Um, send us $3 a month. We'll turn it into more radio stations airing the show. We'll turn it into more new listeners listening to Free Talk Live, thereby more new people hearing the message of freedom and liberty. And if that's valuable to you, then that's one more reason you should AMP. And besides, there's some perks that you'll get access to as well. Get all of the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That is amp.freetalklive.com. So talking about the uh, police, a police department in central, west central Florida, the coast, sun coast, where we uh, hail from originally, that has just been taking money from people. They've got a form, and it's uh, a form that the department itself created the form is called the Contraband Forfeiture Wait a minute. Yeah, Contraband Forfeiture Agreement. And by signing said form, the person is apparently agreeing to relinquish their property to the police 
and waive any rights that they have to try and get it back through the courts. Now, this has uh, become a fairly controversial provision, though this isn't unusual. It's not unusual. This isn't the only police department in the country that's taking money from people. This goes on all over the place. It's just these are the only ones that we know of, at least, that have a form that they're getting people to sign in order to legitimize the stealing of their money. It's pretty clever for a uh, police department that's, um, you know, the Bradenton Police Department, who's, uh, you know, the other name for Bradenton is uh, Braden Tucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not known for, you know, their smart ideas up there in Bradenton. Right. Well, police stopped. Uh, here's a few more examples of them using this form on people. In two cases alone last year, police seized more than $100,000. They stopped Ezequiel, uh, Ezequiel Maldonado for a traffic violation in 2005 and ended up taking $43,551 from him through a contraband agreement. Court records show that the man was not charged with a crime. Benji Ackerman, 34, was part of a cocaine distribution ring that city police dismantled last year. Ackerman got an 18-year federal prison sentence in June, and city police got $63,000 from him before he was put away. Bradenton police reports nice. show that officers have it's seized... a lot of money that they took there. They've seized $12,638 from 15 people since early August of this year. Most of those people were arrested on drug-related charges. Jamie Brooks, age 56, was in her front yard when police swooped in last month to target an area fraught with drug sales. Brooks was arrested when investigators said they found drugs and her car and cash were seized. The incident, Brooks said, happened in a flash, and while she sat in the back of a police cruiser, an officer prodded her until she signed over about $1,200 to the Bradenton Police Department. She said she had no idea what, was she, what she was signing. Only the police told her that, quote, things will go a lot smoother if she signed it. He kept rushing. Just, it, just this ambiguous threat. Yeah. He kept, well, this is mean, a, it's these, a she's lie. In the, she's in the back. Of, no, that's a threat. Things will go a lot better. Yeah. I'm going to break your finger in the back of this cop car if you don't sign this thing. Yeah, he didn't explicitly say that. He didn't that. say that, but I mean, that's that's what it sounds like. Right. You know, when we get to the station and all these people aren't around... I'm going to kick you to sleep. Mm. That's what it sounds like. Well, now we've seen that there have certainly been plenty of examples of police just out and out lying to people while they're in the back of police cars. Look, just, you know, you can talk. You don't have to talk to me, but if you do, things are going to go a lot easier on you. You know, if you that's these are the things they tell people. They absolutely do. But I want I want my attorney. Well, I'm telling you, things are going to go easier. I'll help you out. I'll help you out if you just help me out. These are lines police use. And they're liars. They are lying to you. If you tell the cops things, they are not intending to help you out. They're going to use that information against you. They're going to help you into a jail cell is what they're going to help you That's do. That's their job. They're cops. They put people in jail. So she says, he kept rushing me, like, go ahead. Things will be better if you did. I said, there's going to be some big-time stuff that happens. Oh, She says, it was like, there's going to be some big-time stuff that happens to me if I don't sign it. So they're threatening this woman. Bradenton resident Travis Hickman was arrested this month in a drug investigation taken to police headquarters, but he was released without being charged with a crime. Police say they saw Hickman throw two pieces of crack cocaine from a car window one evening uh, in the wherever it was. Hickman, who's 21, has a record of drug-related crimes, was searched for drugs. An officer dug into a pocket and pulled out cash. This is drug money. This is drug money, Hickman recalled an officer telling him, holding up his cash. They went all up in my pockets. I didn't have no dope on me that day, he said. <laughs> an officer put the, quote, white small objects that appeared to be crack cocaine into a bag. 
and placed it into the property department, according to the police. Quote, they're arresting me but trying to tell me I know somebody. They wanted me to set someone up, said Hickman, who denied throwing anything out of the car window. They said they would issue a warrant for my arrest. Police took $30 from Hickman, according to the contraband forfeiture agreement he signed. No amount is too small for these cops. Apparently not. Hickman is adamant that police took more money, two fifties that were not reported in the agreement. And this is also not unusual. It's very common in well, drug seizures. When you're dealing with cash like that, any line of work, right. I mean, these these guys aren't morally superior. As much as they'd like us to believe it, they are not nope. morally superior to the rest of They're the world. They're just people, When too. you're dealing with cash, some of the cash is going to come out missing. And right. Well, it's your word against theirs. The word of the police, the boys in blue, against some criminal allegedly who's the who's the judge going to believe yeah this I, happens more this also happens with drugs as well the police will do a drug bust and they'll they'll take for themselves a certain amount of the drugs and then only report a percentage of them. with the drugs it's easier and um here's why you know you, they take the drugs they get the certain amount um the guys nobody's nobody's going to dispute their drugs being taken yeah um but they may dispute their money being taken so if i take twelve thousand dollars from you and i decide huh I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy a new car with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you might very well go to the police station the next day and say you took twelve thousand dollars. Even if you signed a piece, I had you sign a piece of paper and didn't right. turn that piece of paper in. Um, you know th- that makes it less likely that you go to the police department. Having the piece of paper makes it less likely. But drugs are a little safer for them than cash because yeah. you know what happens if. Um, you go to the police station and say, I took $12,000. I say, well, I didn't take $12,000 from him. I'm, I'm under suspicion. I'll probably get away with it. Sure you will. But I'm under suspicion. Yeah, but they're not the... going to investigate you too heavily. Well, what difference does it make if they did? It wouldn't. Right. I just put the $12,000 so, in, in a, my floor safe. Come and get it. So let's recap what's going on here. And I would like for somebody to tell me the difference between the police and an armed, violent gang of thugs. You get pulled over by people that you know are, are armed and violent, and uh, and they come up to you and search you without your consent and pull out a wad of cash. You just happen to be going to the bank, for instance. You were going to make a deposit. They pull out a wad of cash from your pocket, say you know, a couple thousand bucks, and they uh, bring out a form, and they say, look, you sign this form or else. Or else what? Well... Something bad's going to happen. Look, you sign this form or else. Hey, look, the form. what's this form do? Well, it lets us take your money from you. Oh, and what's going to happen if I don't sign this form? Well, we're going we're gonna to hurt you. Okay, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to hurt you really bad. Maybe we'll leave your brains uh, you know, strewn across this roadside here. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll sign the form. You guys are the ones. There's a lot of you here, and uh, you've got guns, and I, I'm scared. I'm going to sign this form. Okay, there you go. Now you've got my cash. Okay, have a great day, sir. Thanks very much. How's that different from a, a, a violent gang of thugs? Does having a form make it any less violent and thuggish, this theft that's going on? No. Nope. This is theft. It just cloaks this is it mugging. In, yeah, cloaks it in legitimacy. Right. I mean, you, you would be outraged if some you know, thug-looking guys, ones not wearing uniforms, approached you, pulled out their guns, and, and presented you with a form. You would be insulted. You would say, why are you making me sign this form? Why don't you just take my damn money and leave? That's the only difference here is these guys have come up with a form to sign. 
It's absolutely despicable it is and despicable. just more evidence that this is a violent yeah. criminal organization known as the police. It's taking advantage of um, less fortunate people, ones perhaps sure. that aren't as well educated. You can bet they're not doing this on uh, you know the the rich islands that are nearby with no. all the people. They're not driving. on Riverview Boulevard, uh, no. you know. Stopping people with in the, the Mercedes. People, yeah, driving BMWs and Jaguars. They're no. not doing it there. They're doing it to the people that aren't going to fight yeah, back. They're on 14th Street at um, you know those old shut-down motels. Yep. Let's go to the phones. Only moments remain here. Keith in Arizona, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hi, you guys. Hey, listen, a great show. Thanks, uh, Keith. I've worked for uh, police and fire departments for years, and most of them are really good guys. Uh, there's always going to be sure. you know that other element there, but... I wanted to comment, actually, specifically about Jeff Rentz. Uh, you, You've got, so like, 20 of, seconds to comment. Do it quick. I, I love Jeff Rentz. He, he and Alex Jones are great. Oh, good. I'm sure they have and lots I of fans. I just wanted to get your – go ahead and comment on that if you want. I don't know. Everybody's got their fans. Um, people like some shows. Some people don't like other shows. I think yeah. he's a bit of a, I think uh, Rentz is a bit of a crackpot kook, personally. But, hey, okay. if you like his show, then congratulations, and thank you for the call. Well, He's, here a, with you. He, he's an extremely good broadcaster. Oh, well, that's and, great. Uh, yeah, if he was... Very interesting stuff. I'm Thank sure you. he does. Thank you, sir. More on the way tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. 1-800-Flowers.com wants to remind you Thanksgiving is November the 23rd. Try the Harvest Glow centerpiece from 1-800-Flowers, either as a gift or to decorate your table this Thanksgiving. The small is $49.99, and the large is just $59.99. Call, click, or come in for fresh flowers and gourmet gifts delivered same day, any day. Use code FTL to save 10% on your next order. That's FTL for a 10% savings. 1-800-Flowers.com, your florist of choice for the holidays. 1-800-Flowers. 